This show is brought to you by the Cash App, the number one finance app in the App Store. On top of creating the best way to spend, send, and save money, Cash App's engineers have spent the past 18 months developing a tongue twister for their favorite friends. Say it six times quickly and you'll be blessed. Are you doing a curse? What is this? With good financial instincts for 48 hours. All right, we have a tongue twister we're going to try to say. Cash App Chaps Chug Canned Crushed crab. Go, Benton. Cash app, chaps, chugs, can crush crab. Six times? You've said oh, six times. Cash app, chaps, chug, can crush crab. Chap apps, cash, chug, can nope. crush crab. <laughs> no, nope. you app, fucked chaps, up. Cash chug, can crush crab. Cash chaps. app, chaps, chug, can crush crab. Cash app, chaps, chug, can crush crab. Cash app, chaps, chug, can crush crab. Cash app, chaps, chug, can crush crab. <laughs> so I won. Find a sign up for the Cash App, please, and use the promo code Whitney. And not only will you instantly receive $10, but Cash App will also donate $10 to the Trevor Project, an amazing organization that provides protective services to LGBTQIA+. Youth across America. Don't forget the promo code Whitney when you download the Cash App to the App Store. Today! <laughs> Here we are, Benton. (laughs) You guys, Benton showed up today wearing a full-on silk mustard-colored kimono. I have a lot more, too. More kimonos than this one. Yeah, I have some floor-length kimono. (laughs) He has been in Hollywood a year, and now he dresses like Amber Rose. First of all, I wore these in Nashville. I'll look up photos. I like to dress like a wizard. With a very, like, shiny crucifix, which I think he's wearing. This is a cross, and I've worn it since I've known you. What's the difference between a crucifix and a cross? Crucifix has Jesus I can't say either. Crucifix Crucifix and a crocs. Crocs. Crucifix has Jesus crucified on it. Crocs are very different (laughs) than crucifix. Crosses, fuck. Crucifix. (laughs) Crossifix. See, that's the Lord. The Lord said, you're going to make fun of that cross. Oh, the Lord, I am not blessed or highly favored today. I'm sorry, Lord. 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 With a T. All right, we're coming into this podcast. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna come in hot with a scalding hot take that I don't think a lot of people are going to agree with me about. But it is our job on this show to minimize stress, to show ways to not feel anxiety all the time. Which is why I would like to say, you don't need to worry about the coronavirus. (laughs) Don't do it. I'm the only person that's taken this stance. Here's why. Uh, Look, I know it's obviously terrifying. The media loves that clickbait. They love it. They keep saying like, you know, coronavirus deaths go up 50%. That could mean it went from two to four. Yeah, from 50 from zero. Yeah, 50 (laughs) sounds like, oh my God, 50 people died. It's they're manipulating numbers to scare us and freak us out. Not that we shouldn't be careful. Obviously, this is terrifying. It could get worse. But as of March 4th, when this podcast comes out, in America, 10 people have died, Mm -hmm. right? And I am just seeing people so stressed. I know we should always be prepared. Be ready so you don't have to get ready. But- Everyone's like, oh, you got to wash your hands. It's like. Yeah, but don't you think we should be washing our hands even if there's not a plague? Were people not washing their hands? <laughs> now you're washing your hands? <laughs> like, oh, I got to do it I now. know so many people that are like, I- now I'm going to wash my hands after I go to the bathroom. You should have been doing that. You're you in- just cooked me dinner. <laughs> 
your entire life. Um, but I'm just going to share something that helped me calm down a little bit. Because I was like, I was on Amazon. I was buying the masks. I was buying the Lysol wipes. Because we're about to do tour. And I was getting very paranoid. But then I read something. On average, 151... Six that uh, shit. One hundred fifty-one thousand six hundred people die every day. Uh, influenza in the U.S. Six hundred fifty people die. Drowning eight hundred seventy-seven people. Like you're eight times more likely to drown today than die of coronavirus. Wait, this doesn't feel like good news. <laughs> I'm trying to calm you guys down. <laughs> Which is why I don't swim. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I'm replacing a concern with probably more concerns. Car crashes, 3,287 people a day die yeah. from car crashes. How about instead of worrying about coronavirus? You stop texting and driving. How about that? How about that? Focus on things you can control. Stroke, 13,689 people. Heart disease, 24,600 Cancer, 26, like, focus on eating healthy, taking care of yourself. Coronavirus right now is not the thing you need to be getting, uh, because you're actually <laughs> stressing about something this much suppresses your immune system. Right. Also, <laughs> you should work washing your hands and just, just work it in. I love that that's your cause now. Yeah. <laughs> what this has really done is illuminate, first of all, which one of my friends are racist? <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people are like, goddamn Chinese. And I'm like, Jesus, okay, good to know. I'm going to file that under super racist. Um, but yeah, I think we're having kind of a melodramatic reaction to this because the media needs them clicks. They need the clicks and yeah. they're using us. They're, they love the melodrama. They really do. And it's like the number one story. And I hate to break it to you, but on the list of things you have to worry about, this is pretty low. <laughs> Yeah, really low, I would say. Yeah, so I just kind of want to be the voice of reason and some hot, sexy math and science. Because let me tell you something, math can solve a lot of problems. I wish I could do it. Math can fix emotional distress. All right. And then what else am I? I needed to say something else. Oh, text me if you guys want to text me for updates. Uh, three, nope, 818. 239-7527. That's it. That's your phone number that bup, you have. Bup, bup. And I've been texting with a lot of people who had a leap year birthday because I sent out I sent out like a birthday message every day. And, you know, you go to go how many birthdays today? And there were only like 14. And I was like, God, there's usually like a couple hundred people's birthday today. And I was like, oh shit. And I was texting with all these leap year people. And this one guy uh, texted me and was like, yeah, I'm either eight or 58 today. <laughs> <laughs> It was really, I love that. It was really cute. I want people to text you secrets. And then you oh, can, and then I can read them? Yeah, tell me, because I want to know the tea on people. So. See, I love that idea. I love secrets. And you know the my favorite motto, you're only as sick as the secrets you keep. As soon as you confide something in someone, you get to release it, the shame from it. Because remember there was that website called Whisper? Yeah. What happened to that? Uh, it turned to porn. <laughs> As does every website eventually degenerates into porn. It's just porn. I used to love that website. You would go and people would just like admit crazy shit like I eat baby powder and you're like, what the (laughs) fuck? Yeah, and you're like, like, you can can see the location and their age and like, what? Like, you sound awesome. Uh, People would just like admit crazy shit, but they don't, I went on it recently actually and like, I don't know, it just was odd. Like all the photos were like weird, fake, like um, staged photos from like Getty Images. You know what I mean? yeah. They just, I mean, that's what like, it, that's what I remember it as. It would just be like, like some, bad design. It'd be like a like a Valentine's Day cooking in the background. It'd be like, I love my boyfriend's sister. You're like, what? Yeah, like it's just they're not s- s- sketchy enough 
They're like, oh, well, we all do that. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm write here a for song some, about it. I know, I'm here for some hot tea. I'm here to be like yeah. outraged and cringe. Where'd you hide the body? Yeah. <laughs> Did you cut the te- the nails off or not? That's what you're supposed to do when you kill someone. You're supposed to knock the teeth out and cut their nails off. Fully off because they grow. Yeah. Ooh, you still? Pull them from the root. Yeah, they grow when you're dead for a little while. How like long? A month, I think. Really? Yeah. Huh. Look at us. You know, nails nowadays are growing faster, by the way. Read that in a magazine. Oh, oh, really? Imagine. Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> Wait, okay. Do you want to elaborate on that? Nails are growing faster because we eat more hormones. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Period of the end. Period. The, the text I get from Benton about the things I learned this week, which we talk about on the pod, out of nowhere, he'll just be like, did you know humans glow? <laughs> they do. <laughs> I'm like, you know, humans glow in the dark. And I'm like, all right, Benton. Yeah, I'll think I'm really killing something too. I'll be like, I have this great, I learned something so she's going to love it. So it's good science. for you. It's science. And then I'll send it to her and she's like, right. So, anyways, anyway, anyway, um, heard about milk. Not really what we're looking for. Can we talk more about the dearth of sand and how bad almond milk is? <laughs> I'm like, but we're glow worms. <laughs> we're glow worms. <laughs> I used to love those glow bugs. We used to catch them in Virginia. Yeah, I used to catch them too all the time and put them in. Uh, jars, which now I'm starting to think is really mean. Oh, yeah. In the South, they do way worse stuff than put them in jars, so. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Get out quick. <laughs> um, all right. So, this is a big week for me. I'm just going to catch you guys up on what's going on in my life. I have a sex scene this week. Like a hardcore sex scene for a movie. And I'm really stressed out about it. Yeah, trending on Pornhub paid off. <laughs> Did trend on Pornhub. <laughs> that was a big deal. Yeah, we talked about that. It. Was a very big deal. Uh, when my nude, my nude, when my nipple leaked, I was on Pornhub. It was like the, it was like anime porn, milf, Whitney Cummings leak, and then like nine like Chinese characters. I didn't yep. understand. <laughs> <laughs> Who cared what the rest of it was? Um, so I'm doing a sex scene for a movie, and I think people don't understand how incredibly awkward sex scenes are and I'm just totally dreading it I mean you've seen I've just been doing squats in my garage <laughs> yeah, we're having all of our meetings in there I'm like what are we do <laughs> every time Ben and I have a meeting I make him talk to me while I walk on the treadmill <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be like do you like this merch design and you're like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so yeah I'm just like doing jumping jacks like yeah. I'm training like to go to prison sex scenes are just so daunting and I I just don't think people understand how awkward they are. Like I, I've done two sex scenes before. One of them was a pilot that didn't end up going, and then one of them was that last pilot that mm-hmm. I did that isn't going. And you were there. I was. Was it awkward for you? There was. Um, I, watch me get I, railed I, by a stranger I, for seven hours. I guess in my head, I never pictured them being like some easy, glamorous thing. Uh-huh. I was amazed at the amount of people in the room, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, there were way more people than I would thought, and then not only that, but there's also a whole video village of people who can just watch. Yes, correct. So you can watch from from your leisure or yes, in the room. yes. It is pretty wild to uh, pretend like dry hump a complete stranger in front of like sixty people, and with lines. <laughs> it's with, and then you have to say things. Yeah, I think people. The weirdest the part about it is, is he going to get a boner or not? And if he does get a boner, it's weird. And if he doesn't get a boner, it's even weirder. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. What we- <laughs> I'm going to cross some boundaries. <laughs> no, because it's, it's, I think that a lot of guys, it's so much pressure and having 60 people around. It's like having a boner, like you get so nervous and you get stage fright. But 
actors are they'll always be able to look i'm sorry if i do and i'm sorry if i don't yeah because <laughs> it can be so degrading and insulting if the guy doesn't get a boner that's even weirder and if he does it's like a full red flag you're like what's up yeah what's happening I love attention. yeah why are you into 60 <laughs> people watching you dry hump a stranger like is that your kink uh it's just such a bummer but we did me and the actor have already agreed that he's gonna wear a cup like a that you wear in like baseball. Yep. So that neither of us. Oh, so not like a red cup, like a styrofoam. <laughs> He's wearing a styrofoam cup. Not like guy. a coffee cup. The slurpy cup. I don't <laughs> it's, I think, going to be the way that, like, I won't know if he has a boner or not. Do we say boner? You could say boner. Hard on? What do people even say? <laughs> hard on. A hard on? A hard on. A stiffy? Oh, he got a hard on. <laughs> what do people call boners? I called a boner. Uh, a cock arrow. Ew! Gross! That's a word, right? An erection. erection. An erection. That's the grossest word to me. It's really? so clinical. An erection. Erection. <laughs> hate it. Hate it. So we're going with boner. Yes, we're going with boner. Hard on, I kind of like, though. So that way we won't know. And he's also not an actor. Like, he's never done a sex scene before, and he's technically kind of not an actor, which most actors, like, have done sex scenes before. They, like, know how it works. They know their... They, like, I'm kind of worried for him, though, because I don't think he's going to know any of the rules. This guy's not an actor. He just fucks. He's just like, the fuck? <laughs> this guy just fucks. Like, there's fuck. lots of, like, I don't think, I'm more, I'm so codependent. I'm worried for his experience because I think a lot of people don't know that when you shoot a sex scene, you shoot it once and you have to, you know, and which, by the way, you're not at all thinking about the person or all you're doing is thinking about how you look you're like arching your back and sucking in your stomach and trying to make sure you don't have the little armpit vaginas you know like holding your arms out so you don't have yeah. you know doing Me like at a mcdonald's drive through <laughs> i'm arching my back like 20 more nuggets <laughs> honey on the side <laughs> yeah i do nuggets with honey <laughs> just straight up honey i'm that bitch honey. i have hot sauce and honey honey and uh and so you do it once and first of all, the first take is always a nightmare because it's always a game of chicken with are you going to use tongue or not? And I have done a makeout scene before where afterwards the guy was like, oh, so we're using tongue, huh? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, don't sue me. I didn't know. Like, I just, you don't know. And it's it, it really is like you're making out with someone for the first time just in front of a bunch of people um, that all just really want to go home and see their kids, you know. <laughs> Just like, there's nothing sexual about it. And so after you do one take, you then just, you're not allowed to move after that because there's continuity. Like every, you know, shot that you do has to look the same. So you have to just lay there in the exact position that you're in for like 20 minutes while they change the lights and come in. Because they have to reset your makeup like every time because you, you know what I mean? You've stress sweated it off. Yes. So you have to just sit there while they're doing your makeup and you're just like pelvis to pelvis with like a stranger. It's so weird. I have a whole new respect for Halle Berry and Monsters Ball. I, she, I, oh my God. She deserves an Oscar every fucking year, year for yes. that. They should just give her an annual Oscar for that. You should just do something in between takes. Like bring us some Uno cards. Yeah. Play a nice game. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Hard on scissors. We, I, I just make jokes. And also, <laughs> great. I just try to make jokes, but also it's weird because for the scene to be good, you do kind of have to like be attracted to the person. You have to kind of fall in love with them. Like you have to trick yourself into kind of having chemistry with them. So I get why actors cheat so much. I mean, it's just like <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like, I want the scene to be good. I want it to feel real. I don't want it to feel forced. Let's just like fall in love for like the next three hours. They're cheating for their craft. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Um, 
I, I mean, look, let's be honest. I spend most of my time lying there, like trying to sit up a little bit so that my boobs don't totally disappear. Because when you're on the, if you're a woman lying on your back, your boobs, no matter how big your boobs are, they disappear when you lie down on your back. Okay. Well, your boobs are fake. So we need to have a conversation. Okay. First of all, time's up on you. <laughs> time's up on you. <laughs> But they still slide. They still kind of go to the side when you lie down. We need to go back. We have to go back. <laughs> For to where? Yeah, we need to be hard on. We don't need to move. Oh, you want me to go get a refund? Yeah. You want me to go to a redo? No, you don't want them to look like freaking alligator eyes standing up all straight and perky. <laughs> alligator eyes. <laughs> Coming out of the pond. Hey. No, there's sp- normal boobs f- go flat when you lie down. So I spent a lot of time just like, in the scenes, like trying to squeeze them so they stay up a little bit, you know. Need them supernatural. And that's ladies. awkward. I look like I've got like rigor mortis. <laughs> I do think we have to talk about my boobs. I do think my boobs might have gotten recalled. Well, didn't see you look... there because they're moving. No, you need to look into that. Didn't I ask you to call someone about that? Uh, but earlier, yes. And no, I... <laughs> I I think because there was a recall on breast implants. I hope they take them out and there's just goldfish in bags. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, there they are. Yuck. No, but uh, apparently a lot of boobs are getting recalled. I don't have time to take them out. <laughs> we'll do it here. Go yeah. We'll <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I'm working on a movie, which is why um, a lot of the podcasts coming up are going to be, I don't know. I Hopefully they'll all drop on time. Um, I also had a crazy experience working on this movie uh, where for like six hours I thought I was gay. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. <laughs> this comes out of nowhere. I, I was convinced I was gay. For about six hours. What were your telltale signs? Well, so I'm sitting in the trailer, which when you go to do a movie, there's like a you know whole makeup trailer and it's 5 a.m. and you go on, it's you and the hair person, right? So I'm sitting with the hair person and then the makeup girl walks in and she's like the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Not in like a glamorous Jessica Rabbit mm-hmm. way. An icon. In a, <laughs> in a very like impish fairy nymphette like she had like a shaved head like sonic the hedgehog sounds great you're just describing this sounds like Gollum from the rings <laughs> she had a shaved head club that's feet. my type and she had a like a crooked tooth that was just like yeah <laughs> so cute i thought it was so cute and i remember just going oh my god she's so cute like that's in like bright blue eyes and i remember like that's the cutest girl i've ever seen right which i do that with every girl like i i fawn over women Anyway, but this, I was just like, oh my God. And her energy was just, normally you walk into a movie set, you go into the makeup trailer and people are such a drag. I mean, I think this is everywhere. It's kind of ubiquitous now that the second you meet someone, they just start complaining like my traffic and I'm tired and I'm sick and I need some Purell and blah. Trauma bonding. We're trying yes, to bond. and politics. Let's talk about blood and Warren and blah. It's just like, <laughs> that's everyone's... <laughs> Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, and everyone's such a bummer. I just think we're in this culture of just constant complaining that she just walked in and she's like, how are you doing? And she was just so like perky and positive and you know, uh, we start doing the makeup and she's just like laughing and there's no negativity. She's not gossiping because sometimes when you go into a job that started sort of before you got there, there's all this like, and watch out for this person and this person's an asshole and this person's a shit and I, this person's a bitch and I hate that. You know, they're just complaining about every. She was just like, I'm having the best time and everyone's so great. And she was just so positive. And, um, and so I was just staring at her and I was like, oh, why do I, 
like I'm I was like infatuated with her. I couldn't stop staring at her. And then she's staring back at me like we're making like really intense eye contact for like 30 minutes as she's doing my makeup. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think that she's like we're like having a really intense moment. And then I was like, no, asshole. She's just doing her job. You're fully at work. (laughs) You're both at work. (laughs) I got confused. I thought she was in love with me because she kept gazing into my eyes, but she was doing my eyeliner. This is why actors are so fucked up because there's 200 people that are paid to dote on you and stare at you and follow you around and you get it twisted and start thinking that they're like choosing that. No, they're on a payroll. They have to do this. Um, But you thought you were gay. No, well. You thought you were taking a trip down the Kinsey scale. (laughs) Well, because then. I was like, oh my God, I'm in like, in. I, I had this moment where I was like, I think I'm in love with, which that is the most childish. That would make you a lesbian, that, right off the bat, love. <laughs> well, no, that would just make me a five, like what are we, 10? I've just met you, I'm in love with you. I don't know her. There's no way I can be in love with someone that I've known for 30 minutes. I was in love with all the things I projected onto her. Um, but we were just like getting along so well and laughing at the same things. And then we could be like quiet for 20 minutes and and it wasn't weird and I just, I think I then realized like, oh no, I'm not in love with her. I'm just so used to people being like depleting and annoying and angry and just negative, like mean girls that I just like met a nice person and I just want to be friends with her. <laughs> and I think it's love. How sad is that? See, I wish you were a lesbian because I love lesbians. They're one of my favorite groups of people. Yeah. But I think you're more asexual. What does that mean? Asexual, it's like whenever you don't have um, sexual attraction to people, but you're so romantically attracted to people. <sighs> That's a lot to process. I just think you're more asexual because like... I don't think about sex a lot. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I feel like that too. It's weird. I think I think about sex a lot, which is a weird mirage because in, I talk about it so much in my stand-up because I find it so ridiculous and I find myself joking about it a lot. But when I'm not doing stand-up or writing, I I don't think about it that much. And maybe it's because I have to think about it so much for work that on my off time, it just, talking about sex, thinking about sex kind of feels like work to me. I I agree with that. I feel like that too. I wish I was somebody who was like empowered by sex. Who was like, ooh, I'm so powerful and sexy. Hmm. But I'm like, what a funny joke. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's all I can think of. I think sex, I'm just like nipples are weird. I just say I don't think about sex that much. Like I mean, I think I did more when I was maybe younger, and I was like, I don't know. This is gonna sound so gross, but it's like once you've had enough of it, you're like, yeah, I got. I know what that is. <laughs> I've had some glory days, Benton. <laughs> I kind of am just like, I know what that is. I feel like I've done all the things I need to do, and um, I just don't think I'd want to have sex with someone unless I was in a relationship with them. Otherwise, like, or they were your makeup artist, or they were my makeup artist with a crooked tooth. Yeah, no, I don't think I, I. I just found myself wanting to hang out with her, and I think I was like, oh wait, no, I think I just made a new friend, <laughs> and I think that I'm a lesbian because it's so hard to make new friends in your 30s. That when you meet someone you like, you're like, I guess I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Well, because normally when you meet someone, you're trying to figure out a way to not be friends with them. And like, you know what I mean? Like you're trying to figure out a way to not take on their energy. And like, they're like, let's have lunch. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's have lunch. Sure. And you're trying to figure out a way to like stall. (laughs) You're like, lunch, no homo. Yeah, no thank you. But with her, I just found myself wanting to hang out with her. And it's just, it's very uh, rare that that happens. That I meet someone new and I'm like. But, okay. So you didn't think at any point during your uh, lesbian escapade that Mm -hmm. you... Like, you didn't think about, like, oh, I will have to, if I'm a lesbian, I'm going to have to, like, kiss or touch or 
love on I her. did think about it. And then she started talking about her boyfriend, and I got a little angry. Oh, so you were fully prepared. Yeah. I was like, I'll fight that guy. And I was like, <laughs> let me see him. And she showed him to me, and I was like, ugh, gross. He's ugly. Like, I was trying to manipulate her into, like, falling out of love with him. And he, she, he's, it's like a long distance thing. And I was like, yeah, long distance never worked. <laughs> like, I was totally, like, yeah. manipulating her. I was trying to get her to break up with him. You're like, I experimented in college. So, I mean, yeah, I'm a like, look, you like. Look, I kissed a girl and I liked it. <laughs> that cherry chapstick gets me every time. It was also 5 a.m. and the Lunesta was probably still in my system. I just, I also just started taking Prozac. It could be that. <laughs> All your medical side effects are just, are just gay. <laughs> All these medicines may turn you gay. That's Whitney's, it's all she wrote. I think maybe just, because I, I started, after Gary Goldman came on the show, I was like, hmm, this, I, it was so funny because he came on and I was like, I'm not depressed. What's it like? And he started listing the checklist of depression. I was like, I have all those. Like, in real time on the podcast, if you watch on YouTube, you can watch me being like, huh. I have that. I have that. You just see my eyes starting to like, (laughs) you see the wheels turning in my head and like the, the cartoon thought bubble above my head being like, like, here's the signs of depression. You're like, that sounds like being a lesbian. (laughs) Sounds a lot like being gay. I think I'm depressed and gay. They go hand in hand. The price of one. (laughs) No, when he was listing stuff, he was saying, uh, if you lose joy in the things that used to bring you joy. And this is what really got me is when he said, you have trouble focusing. I was like, oh my God, that's me. I have that. And then I went to the psychiatrist and I started, I told him about how when I have a conversation, it takes like days of aftermath of me running over the conversation in my head over and over and over again, like in a loop. Like I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was so stupid. Why did I say that? Oh, I should have said this. Like that. Like I'll kind of like run it in my head. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh yeah, Prozac can kind of close that loop of perseverating over something that has already happened because I waste a lot of time rehashing conversations and beating myself up like with my inner bully. So I started on Prozac like three weeks ago. I think it kicks in around now. So maybe it was just that. Maybe I'm just like, I love you and I love you and I love you. Yeah, so it closes (laughs) that loop down, but it opens up some rainbow colored doors. (laughs) Opens up them legs. (laughs) He said, hey, lady. No, you don't think I'm gay though, right? I don't. Okay. It would a lot be cool, people... though. It's very trendy. Yeah, I know it's very in right now. Even if I was, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say anything. Like, I don't know, guys. I need to wait till it's like out again. So that <laughs> I'm like, I gotta wait till I get a hate crime. Yeah, so it's not like totally unoriginal. Um, okay, so what else? I'm going to New York next week. I also have a little bit of anxiety about that. I'm going to do Jimmy Fallon and Kelly and Ryan. I'm gonna go do some talk shows. Pedal my wares. <laughs> pedal my wares. I'm gonna go pedal my wares. Um, tell some. It's weird. Like I, it used to be when you did press for stuff you would go and do these talk shows Fallon or Kimmel or whatever and it's and you would tell these stories and it was always the hardest thing was like what story do I pick but now with a podcast like I don't <laughs> I say everything I need to say yeah, on you've here told all your stories there's nothing you, to say it's prepared to play games yeah I, <laughs> it's so true You're like what YouTube clip am I getting out of this I know I need a clip I need something for my feed I need something for that main feed so I'm like trying to like work on stories to, and things to talk about but I was like just listen to my I'm just gonna go on there and go I've said this already on my podcast guys <laughs> why am I here um I don't do well in New York you know this about me I get very frazzled you go to peak Whitney peak Whitney I have come to the conclusion that I am an indoor cat not an outdoor cat and New York really stresses me out. It's too much stimulation for me. 
Why are you laughing? <laughs> because I just, it's true. That's really true. You go to like, I mean, the the week leading up to you going to New York, you're like, okay, I, we need we need extra toothbrushes. We have to we have to pack more things. Yes, extra. I like, pack like, like we it's have fourteen suitcases. Like we're fine. <laughs> I like, pack like it's the apocalypse. Yeah, like you're never coming back from New York. I, I go in and I because the thing is about New York drives me nuts. Everything is so freaking expensive. But also, if you just need a toothbrush, that's like an hour ordeal. Go out. You got to fight like night, like crowds of people to get the Dwayne Reed and stand in line for two hours, like just to go to get a toothbrush is an ordeal. Right. I have to be like the hotel will have them if you lose one. I'm not paying eight dollars. Bring it up to you. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I every time I go to New York, I feel like I'm being robbed. Like. Everything is $40 in New York. You know, I bring my own water. I, br- I bring food. I bring my own cereal. <laughs> it is. I am like an like yeah. apocalypse prepper. I've never seen someone pack as many underwear in my life. I pack for you on the t- underwear. Like, what are you doing each day? Because it gets swampy out there. It's so humid. Walk, all that walking. All that walking. I like to change my underwear a couple times a day in New York. Yeah. It makes me feel like I'm in control of something. That's the thing is New York. I have no control over anything. You don't. You have no control. Nork. 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 New York controls you, and that's why it's stressful. I don't like it. Anything you try to control controls you. Yeah. The big apple. Fuck. It'll take a bad I'm like a, I do think I'm like a herding dog. I like to, I like everything to be organized. Like when I'm in New York, I'm like, everyone, let's all go the same direction. Like I want to start directing traffic. Like I'm like, guys, okay, what side of the street are we going? Like, because everyone's just slamming into each other. Like, shut up. Purses are hitting you in the face. Backpacks are concussing you. Like it's just so intense. And I just want to be like, guys, listen up. If you, if the people going north are on the left side of the street and the people going south, this will go much faster. Like I just want to organize everything and get everybody in line. But that is really, and everyone has headphones on. So no one can hear anyone. So then you you just blend in. You're just shouting on the street, just yelling at everybody, and I look like just like a crazy person. But um, like the honking doesn't fix the problem, guys. Oh Stop my god, the, the honking. honking in New York really adrenalizes me. And also, it just is a very. It's I don't need to make this about gender, but it is hard to be a woman in New York and function. I'm that sounds sexist, but I just mean like lip gloss like hairs in your lip gloss like you got to wear a certain sh- I always have blisters in New York always have blisters and one of the most heartbreaking things I'll see in New York is when you see a woman walking at like 5 30 and then she stops on a corner puts a gym bag down because you always have to have five bags walking around mm-hmm. New York everyone is like because you have to have all your shit you know your baggage your literal baggage and your emotional baggage because you know it's like if you go to the gym after and then you go out it's rare that you can go home between things so everyone's got like just strapped with backpacks and like hockey bags and shit so when you see a woman in heels stop on the corner take her heels off take out a pair of sneakers and change shoes and you're just like oh just say a little prayer for her oh honey 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 i just want to Pick her up and carry her. Squeeze her tight. Because you're a lesbian now. That's <laughs> <laughs> that is. You me. just start. Well, maybe <laughs> I am. Why am I staring at women changing their shoe? And I have a foot fetish. You're in New York, so fully cat calling women when but, you get there. When I'm staring at these women taking their shoes off, nothing turns me on more. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh no! Take her shoes off the, the I mean, the plot thickens on my sexuality. Um. Yeah, I just it's New York is just it's a lot for me. It's it's and you know I don't do well with sounds and you I don't do I need like mm-hmm. intense quiet to sleep. So I bring my noise canceling headphones. But you'll be in New York and you'll hear like 4 a.m. You'll hear a woman screaming and you're like, do I 
do I go help this person? Do I just allow this to happen? Like, should I take some video in case the courts need, like, what do you do when you are on the 10th floor and you hear a woman just screaming at the top of her, is she having a good time? Like, I just, it's a lot of decisions you have to make every second. Well, according to the movie, just take your head out the window and go, shut up. <laughs> shut up, whore. <laughs> yeah. I have Jimmy Fallon tomorrow. Also, you sleepwalk. And thank oh God you God. don't do it naked. Oh, my God. Thank God you're not sleepwalking. You don't sleep naked because you would come out. Well, first of all, if I sleep, slept walked, sleepwalked <laughs> no. in New York, I mean, that would be horrible. I'd probably make a quick buck. Yeah, but thank God you wear that three-piece suit to bed. <laughs> you guys don't know this, but Whitney sleeps in a full suit. She wears a three-piece suit with a cummerbund, a, a, a top hat. A small cane. <laughs> I dress like Lemony Snicket. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. In all the videos she posts, you just see her. She's, you don't know this, but under that, there's a wetsuit. You guys don't know that. Spanks, socks, yeah, like, circulation socks. You have on your grandpa's shoes, like gloves. It's a full. I sleep in f fully clothed. I regalia. I I dress like Annie Hall to go to bed. I wear a little blazer, flannel blazer. I wear flannel uh, pants and a flannel shirt and socks. Yeah, Diane Keaton is like your sleep inspiration. I do. By the way, I also sometimes sleep in a bra because you gotta, you know, you can't really let those things just flop around for eight hours when you're sleeping. You'll get concussed. And I <laughs> and I and I, and I sleep with a, um, it's like a jelly strip you put on your chest so that you don't get wrinkles between your boobs. Yeah, and a weighted blanket and a mask. and a weighted blanket. You wear a mask. Yeah, no, I do wear a mask. To bed and headphones. <laughs> gloves. He wears gloves. Because if the sunlight comes through the window, in, Joe Burr. I do wear Invisalign to bed too. Yeah. It's a lot of props. It's a, getting ready for bed is a good fifteen-minute ordeal. And I put so much oil on my face before I go to bed that I um, slide right out of bed. I have to. <laughs> I have to lube up. <laughs> I do sleep in a full suit. I can, I, can, I do not understand people that sleep naked. That is me neither. That's nuts to me too much i don't want to wake up and ruin my own day first thing in the mirror like oh shit i want to wake up and be like oh look at me i went to bed with this big sweater on i'm so cute like i'm not trying to ruin and first thing could you imagine what well i mean if i like you i guess i would sleep naked but if i woke up <laughs> i'm not waking up first thing walking in my bathroom like here we go <laughs> like preparing myself <laughs> i have never slept naked in my life I've pretended to sleep naked, like for guys I've been dating. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Because like guys are very into that or whatever. And I would like lie there and we'd like fall asleep and I'd be naked. And then I would like get up and tiptoe into the bathroom and change into my full suit and then go to bed and then wake up at like 7 a.m. and then take it off and go back to pretending to, that I slept naked the whole time. I'm <laughs> so fun. He didn't know you slept in your blue man costume. <laughs> <laughs> my, my full <laughs> chimney sweep costume. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I if I slept walked in New York, that'd be real. also if you were in, what is the past sleep of sleepwalk? Naked, sleepwalked, like, sleepwalked, 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 sleepwalked. Yeah, now <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to be a podcast that teaches people better vocabulary. Go but ahead. people that sleep naked, do they not worry about like trauma happening in the night? <gasps> well, yeah, that's the other thing. You be ready so you don't have to get ready. For I am at any point ready to you know go to the emergency vet or officiate your wedding yeah i could do literally anything at two in the morning or fill in for the monopoly man yeah I <laughs> you can do it all i can play uh willie loman in uh death of a salesman at any moment i like to be prepared who knows i mean i did have a lot of um times when i was a kid right to like get out of bed quickly you know 
And bugs. What about bugs? <laughs> what if you're sleeping naked and some some night bug crawled up on your balls like a night beanbag bug? chair? I think yeah. that ha- <laughs> I think that happens though. Don't we eat a bunch of spiders every year? No, I mean like a cockroach or something. A cockroach. Yeah, crawling up, crawling up on you. I don't do cockroaches fuck with people's faces. I don't know because I'm asleep when they're out. I used to sleep with cock. I used to have cockroaches. You just sleep with them? Oh yeah, no. The, apart- the first apartment I had in LA, as soon as you would turn the lights out, you would hear. You would hear them, and then I tell my landlord, and he goes, "Those aren't." cockroaches those are water bugs i'm like dude i don't give a fuck what they are but they have wings and they're like five pounds each they're disgusting yeah and they're huge and they'll fly at you no oh they don't give a fuck dude they're like locusts they hit the wall and it's like they're hard you ever seen it? You have like you... dying, they're like prehistoric. They have survived <laughs> some shit. Some real shit. And they own this apartment. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll leave. All right, we have to get to the wisdom of the podcast. Wisdom. You guys ready for some hot wisdom? Now that we've just been driveling on. Uh, hot wisdom of the pod. So I actually put a lot of work into choosing the wisdom of the pod of the week. And this week is one of my personal favorites. Um, you ready? We still don't have a sign effect. Ding, boom. Uh, if it's hysterical, it's... Historical. If it's... Hysterical. It's... Historical. If... If it's hysterical, it's historical. Love it. Side note, hysterical, like, not funny hysterical. No, no, if it's hysterical. That was what I thought at first. Emotional. I, like, I mean, look, it sh- probably should be, like, emotional, but the alliteration makes it kind of a sexier adage <laughs> yeah you remember it yes if it's hysterical it's historical which basically just means if you have a large reaction to something that's rather small or if the punishment doesn't fit the crime this could be old this could be historical you know mm-hmm. um i've done this a lot I, we talked about when brendan Shaw was on the podcast the time that i had a full meltdown at the comedy store <laughs> over something so benign it was very clear that what was going on was historical. One of the comedians talked about, like, you know, getting a new girlfriend or whatever it was. And I was just like, you guys need to class it up. Like, it brought up, like, old stuff from my childhood. And it was old. And I realized it right after it happened. I was like, sorry, guys, that that was, that was, I, I just traveled back in time. That brought up, old, that unearthed some old pain. And it came out on you. And I'm sorry. And... Or you know when someone's yelling at you or freaking out about something or and you're like, this can't be about this. This is clearly something old. So it's a good thing to carry into work when someone's freaking out over something when you're like, okay, this person's being hysterical. This is probably historical. This, this is, is probably historical. Has- They're back Noth- at the Salem witch trials. <laughs> this is old. Yeah, damn. <laughs> like, um, I remember one time I was at dinner with this kind of famous person. It was a couple famous people. And we were in Hollywood. And... I believe, look, everyone has, I can't tell anyone how to behave, how to tip, but I tip usually 25%, right? What's or the, more, yeah. Or more, or more. Yeah. But I think that that is usually what I will personally do. And we're all sitting at the table and the check comes and we have all split it. And that's always a weird moment when you're trying to figure out like what someone else tipped. Like I think Larry David did a whole episode on this where you're mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't want to tip less than them. I don't want to tip more than them. Like I look like I'm, you know. So I asked this one person I was with, I was like, hey, well, how much are you tipping? And she went, oh, I'm tipping 15%. Because I think that is the standard. Yeah. And 
not to judge anybody that does that, but I just went, oh, you're such a cheapskate or something. Do 25%. Like, you're such a cheapskate. Is this someone that I know has money? Okay. I was like, was she famous? No. This is someone I know has major bags. Um, I just said that. Stacks on stacks. Stacks on stacks. So I was like, oh, you're such a cheapskate. And cheapskate is a stupid word. Like, I'm obviously joking, you know? Like, you're. Yeah. Che- I Did was, you say cheesesteak? Cheap. <laughs> che- I was like, you're a cheapskate. Like, I was just being silly, you know? And especially because I think if a waitress comes up and sees famous people and they tip less, it's just like, also, they know you. You know what I mean? Don't like, tweet about it. I totally. Totally. And it'll be you. They'll blame it on you. They're going to get in those. I know. I was like, I don't want to be a part of someone that's not tipping. I'm gonna, I don't want to get roped into this tweet. Um, and so anyway, I made that. I basically was like, uh, God, you're such a cheapskate. And her face like went dark. And she was like, I am not cheap. I am not fucking cheap. And I was like, oh, I just walked into a hornet's nest. That's historical. Like that's old. Yeah. It was like she got possessed, you know? It's almost like, remember, was it Back to the Future where um, Michael J. Fox, he would snap if someone called him chicken or yellow or something? You know, it's just like a trigger word. I have it with noises. Like if I hear a loud noise, I get very angry. Yeah. You've noticed that about you me. We do. We didn't tell the gardeners, stop. Like I just, you know, it's especially with, that's so interesting because a lot of it is with like lawnmowers and leaf blowers i'm just like what the fuck why is that like it happens every week it has to happen we have to maintain the lawn but i'll be like what the fuck is that noise and i get so angry so that's obviously a historical thing also you asked them to come here it's your schedule you made for them <laughs> like it's a whole they're like what the fuck mm. and just like something happens like deep in my sympathetic nervous system when i hear and it could be my gr- and we'll talk about this in a second of how ancestral trauma can embed itself. So that doesn't even have to be something that happened in your historical that happened in your lifetime. Like I don't think I was knocked unconscious by a leaf blower when I was a kid. I don't think I don't have like trauma with leaf blowers. I'm from DC. We didn't have leaf blowers. Like this is such a fucking California thing to just blow leaves around. Like what the fuck even is this? I don't even know where they blow them. Like it's they just blow them into my neighbor's yard and then my neighbor blows them back into my yard. It's such a fucking circle jerk. <laughs> like um, such a dumb invention. But uh, they have to go somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, but my grandfather did uh, get really badly injured in a tractor accident when he was mowing a field in Virginia, fell off the tractor. It ran over him and. Uh, and it ripped all of his intestines out, and he had to hold his intestines and drive himself to the hospital. And that is very similar to your leaf blowing trauma. <laughs> I'm saying it's hysterical. It's historical. <laughs> yeah, There's no reason the leaf blowers should make me angry, but I always heard the story. So whether it was like Im- imprinted on my DNA or whatever to be have a bad reaction to a lawn machine noise, or I just had been told the story so much by my family. As well. Yeah. Well, also, you just don't like noises in general. No, I don't. I mean, like, even, like, like your own dishwasher. Like, what is that? I'm like, it's your dishwasher. <laughs> it beeps when it's done. Every time. What is that? What is that? Yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't, and also growing up in a home where there was, like, any kind of, like, drinking or violence, like, noises always meant something big, you know? Bad, something bad could be yeah. happening. Yeah, someone, yeah. someone could fall, you know, something like that. Um, but uh, also lateness. I think I get hysterical and historic because of something historical with when someone's like five ten minutes late i'm like what the fuck what because i spent so much time waiting around for someone to pick me up when i was a kid oh yeah yeah that that i think it brings up this like i'm gonna be at school forever if you know and that's not being in my adult that's not mature people are gonna be late sometimes i'm not saying it's okay to be late consistently but if someone's 10 minutes late and you're 
my heart starts getting racing and I start like my blood starts boiling. That makes sense. I mean, all those things are also agreements that you've made. Like if you're going to be here at the time, that's an agreement. So you know, so like breaking a promise is probably a big deal. Yeah. Historically. And then the sound thing, like we're taught most sounds are like an alert for something. Yeah. Like just in general, like mm-hmm. no one hears a sound like good sound. Like, yeah. It's everything. Ice cream truck, maybe. Ice cream truck. Oh yeah, that's a positive. But other sound. than that, I mean, most things are fire alarms. You know, something's yeah. happening. Like sounds yeah. are, so bangs. Yeah, I guess that's everyone. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think for you, I mean, if you're saying like quiet was like your equilibrium, yeah, it makes sense that sounds throw you into historical. And the same thing with being late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, the lateness thing, and I really have to check myself because I'm like, I'm at, what the fuck? I can't believe she's fucking late. And I'm like, you know what? This is old. This is historical. There's no way that someone being ten minutes late should be this big of a deal for me. That's true. Do you know what I mean? But also you're running a business, so. I am running a business and I don't like when people are late. And I I mean, it really, I'm not making excuses for people that are late. Like I remember one time I was meeting with this like stylist in LA and she was 40 minutes late. Four, zero minutes late. And she showed up. She's like, I'm sorry, the traffic was crazy. And I was like, bitch, how do you think I got here? <laughs> you think I took a chopper? We all get here the same streets. Like I totally... Lost a McCool on that. But if someone's five, ten minutes late, what happens to me is even if they text me, I'm on my way, I get this worry of like they're not gonna come, they're not gonna be they're not gonna make it. I should just leave. Maybe yeah. I should just you know what I mean? You go into stuff that hasn't even happened. They're five minutes That's late, but you're right. like they're not gonna show up at all. That's right. They're five minutes late, but they hate me. And then they're I'm like, they're probably lying. They're yeah. probably not because I they're they're five minutes late. That probably means ten minutes, and maybe I should just leave and maybe something's I, more important than me. But it's yeah, it's just a historical yeah. reaction of like waiting at school, waiting for someone to come pick me up and not knowing if someone was going to show up, not knowing when, sometimes it was an hour, sometimes it was, should I walk home? Should I wait? Should I go home with this kid? Just sort of, I go into, um, just embarrassing. Yeah. So it's probably a lot of embarrassment is a trauma that really latches on. Yeah. And just like the idea of like, should I make a, take an action when I can really just sit there and like check my emails or just close my eyes and meditate or go to the bathroom. You know, there's plenty of things I can do, but to me that's hysterical. Uh, and historical and that's I, I can just say that to myself I'm like this is hysterical it's historical it's all good what do you have you have I have some ideas for what you have that are hysterical go for it and I historical well I think I th- but you're his you don't get hysterical like loud and emotional I think your hysterical uh, behavior is more like you'll shut down yeah I'm a shutdowner there's times I will see you shut down around something and I'm like this must be old yeah, for me, for sure. I think that's definitely true. Um, like, I get really, loyalty is a big one for me. Like, I feel like I spent a lot of time being really worried that people were going to leave me. I never, like, I don't have abandonment things that actually happened, but I have this. You were not abandoned. I was thing. not abandoned, but I definitely. To this- me, it'd be way scarier. The idea of abandonment is probably way scarier if you've never been abandoned before. Yeah, I think that, well, I think that I, in my head, I'm just. Because if you have been, it's happened and you survived it. And you're like, oh, abandonment's not that bad. I mean, bad. all your stories you hear, like people coming out, people leave them, people, you know, they're friends, like they're they're gone, like all these things. So, like, you mean you feel like you've heard stories about people coming out of the closet and then. Yeah, like that. So like a loyalty, I was just like, okay, so how can I be of needed in someone's life. So I, I, go, I put a lot of emphasis on being like really loyal and being the person that's there for people and being the person that does things for people. Not out of a sense of that I want something from you, but I'm just like, this is my, this is the thing that I can contribute. I have nothing else to offer. That's how I used to think. Uh-huh. And so loyalty when people are not loyal around me, like when I see people being disloyal or when people think, claim that I'm not loyal, that I get really like, I. that's the one thing that I kind of a little outwardly 
uh, enraged about? Like I get a little like historical on that. No, you, uh, this, I noticed it actually when, so I have this makeup artist I normally use and one time she wasn't available, which I don't think I told you. And I had this new makeup artist show up and Benton was. Yeah, I was asking other people, who is this? Apoplectic. (laughs) Like I could feel your energy. You were like hovering. You were like giving all kinds of side eye. Like I could just tell there was like a sour vibe. Yeah. And because you probably thought of it as like, oh, she's not being loyal to that other makeup artist she always uses. Yeah, and then I feel like, well, okay, well, then what's next? Who else are you not loyal to? Who's the next person? Who else am I going to cut out? Who else yeah. is disposable? And then and then the more I got into it, the more I was like, well, he also is not that great, so he probably won't be alone on that. But, you know. <laughs> Benton also didn't think he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, he did fine. But I'm just saying, like, that's one thing. Loyalty is a big one for me. I get very, like, why, why? how are you going to do that to somebody? Like, when people tell me stories about, like, well, I, my girlfriend or my boyfriend cheated it, I'm like, Okay, well, that's a no from me. Then that's a solid no. We can't go back from that. Like loyalty is just very big on my. Yeah, like it brings up a lot. Yeah, um, loyalty, and then also um, another. One, I think men are really historical for me because I feel like a, for a long. Yeah, welcome to fucking the club. <laughs> I feel like well, in a different way, not like in, I guess that way, but I just feel like you do kind of shut down I around do. new I men. Have this. This is definitely historical. I feel like all my, all of my trauma in life, like all the bad things that happened to me growing up are attached to dudes like it's like people at school or the way that, I was like, taught bullied to you? or at work yeah like or there's always like the negative like women never really did anything bad to me they were always the ones that were like my friends are there for me so I don't have that association with yeah, them yeah yeah um, and my dad was always nice to me but like that's one person of a lot whereas mine's kind of the opposite in a way because I played sports and I'm a comedian so I hang out with guys a lot but I had a lot of like mean girls beat up on me when I was younger yeah and then in comedy, you know, that's sort of where it gets weird. Like, well, when I started doing comedy is when I was like, okay, I have to kind of like let this go a little bit. Because there's like, so many dudes. Actually, yeah. And granted, some of them just suck. And I had to like lean into that too. But I had to like let go of blanketing all dudes as bad. Like so the, over the last three years, I've really worked to not be historical when Around it comes to dudes. men. Yeah. yeah cause I it's like, fear. You just probably yeah, get was, fear. Yeah. And then I would have started and I had to like really look and be like, okay, so why are you doing this? And I'd be like, okay, well, I'm associating all men with being better than me. So when I'm in a room with them, I'm like, mm. well, I'm the least common denominator. So I need mm. to like, I need to be smaller. I need to stop talking. I need to stop making the jokes. I need to like, let them have that moment. I mean, we've been around men that you don't even say hi to. I'm like, you can say hi to that yeah, person. Yeah, when I worked at American Eagle, girl, I didn't say, I wouldn't even <laughs> help men. I would not even assist them. <laughs> wouldn't, I fully wouldn't, wouldn't speak. I had a, my friend had, had been married to this, the same guy since we graduated high school in 2009. Mm-hmm. I didn't speak to him until last year. <laughs> Never spoke to him a word, and that's not fair. No. So I got over it. I mean, sometimes I catch myself doing it. Sometimes still. So you're because you're afraid they're going to bully you or something. I'm afraid they're just. I just don't understand. It takes me a long time to have to be like, well, why? Why do you want to talk to me? What? 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 What, what do we have in common? What's the thing you're going to get? Because uh, growing up, I was like, this person's talking to me because they're about to make a joke. A man. Or they think it's funny. Make it it's a joke at yeah. your expense. A joke at my expense. Or they're being nice because other people are watching. This is, you know, when I was growing up too, I was, when I was Googling about gay people and stuff, I was getting a lot of like, that was around the time of like Matthew Shepard when people were like tricking gay men into doing things to like bully them or like make fun of them or for him, they killed him, you know? And so there was a lot of gay panic. And so like, I was like, I didn't trust anybody. I was like, there's, you don't like this thing. I was, in my head, no one liked it. Like everything, like your carry at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it felt. That's, yeah. that's how I walked through life. So I was like, yeah. was like, that's not fair. There's a lot of really great, I have great guy friends now, but like it took me a minute. I, mean, I had to really work on it. Yeah. Cause I would fully shut down to the point where I was like, 
rude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, I'm gonna hurt you before you can hurt me. Yeah. And it's also just a way of like projecting toughness. That's like, you don't want to fuck with me. Yeah, and it also you know? made me feel like I did that. Myself. I mean, I did that. I found that my historical stuff with men was always like, I had to like desexualize myself. Cause I was like, I'm in comedy. I know I can't shit where I eat. Like I can't date anyone. And like, if a guy would come near me, I'd be like, hey, fuck face. Like it was, yeah. I would do the opposite. Like I would just be so, I would try so hard to be like a tough guy so that they didn't get confused or so that no, I didn't want to get a reputation for someone that like dated comics. Or if you just talked to, a, when I was 22, if you just talked to a comic in the hallway, it was like, oh, she's fucking him. She's blowing him or whatever. So yeah. I wanted so badly to prove to everybody that I wasn't doing that. So I would like overcompensate the complete other way. I mean, that even is similar. Like I used to put on shows in Nashville. Like I had my own shows and Every time that I would have guy comics do it, there'd be somebody that'd be like, well, why are they doing this show for you? Or what are they doing? Or how yeah. do you get them on the show? Like, yeah. we're just friends. Like, yeah. so, it, I mean, doing that, that hysterical moment really put things into perspective for me because it made me look at how much treating, how much that historical thing and treating people that way was bad for my self-esteem. Ooh. So I'm really into hysterical historical stuff. Um, it's a good way. I'd be interested in what you guys have, like little things where you're like, oh, I always have like a kind of melodramatic reaction to that thing. Um, there is something called family constellation, which I just learned about. I want to say like uh, three years, two, three years ago. I'm just going to read a definition from the website of what it is. This is a way to figure out if you have ancestral trauma you know, a lot of things that we're scared of, a lot of things we're paranoid about, a lot of phobias we have could have come from generations like before you. And this is, it, it, look, I sort of believe most of this is true. The science, like I need to understand scientifically why something works in order to understand it. You know me, I don't fuck with fooey. Yeah. I don't do fooey. You don't like a hope and a dream. No, I don't like spooky, ooky, like magical bullshit pseudoscience. I like hard, cold, hard science. Um, family constellation is a three-dimensional pro group process that has the power to shift generations of suffering and unhappiness. Bert Hellinger, the founder of this work, who studied and treated families for more than 50 years, observed that many of us unconsciously take on destructive familial patterns of anxiety, depression, anger, guilt, aloneness, alcoholism, and even illness as a way of belonging to our families. Bonded by a deep love, a child will often sacrifice his own best interests in vain in, I'm sorry, in a vain attempt to ease the suffering of a parent or another family member. So we kind of take on our family members' stuff to make them feel okay about their stuff, and we kind of mimic what they do, basically. Let me read this one more part. This is verbatim. Family constellations allow us to break these patterns so that we can live healthier, happier, and more fulfilled lives. In a moment of insight, a new course can be set in motion. Practitioners claim that present-day problems and difficulties may be influenced by traumas suffered in previous generations of the family, even if those affected now are unaware of the original event. Hellinger referred to the relation between present and past problems that are not caused by direct personal experience as systemic entanglements said to occur when unresolved trauma has afflicted a family through an event such as a murder, suicide, death, death of a mother and childbirth, early death of a parent or sibling, a war. We all have fucking war. Natural disasters, immigration, or abuse. The psychiatrist that I cannot pronounce his name, Avon Bazamorgi Nagi. You're very respected. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry to this guy. He, I think he's Russian. I can't pronounce this. Ivan Buzz <laughs> referred to this phenomenon as invisible loyalties. Okay. So hmm. I have a couple hysterical historical things that I do that I always like kind of wondered about or that always had sort of controlled me. But also like I know a lot about epigenetic imprinting, which you know I will talk about until you tell me to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I will talk about you love it. I will talk about epigenetics in, until you walk out of here um, in disgust. Uh, epigenetic imprinting essentially is how something that happened to you in utero will imprint on your genetics and essentially ordain, you know what your life is like. So you can get addicted to certain neurochemicals in utero, like adrenaline or cortisol if your mother was really stressed out, and then you can bo be born with an addiction to adrenaline or cortisol, essentially like drama queen. Um, the same way crack babies are addic born addicted to crack. Right? I've made a whole movie about this. If you haven't seen The Female Brain, then I can't help you. It's <laughs> not about crack babies, by the way. <laughs> The other one. No, the it is thing. a comedy about crack babies. <laughs> it's on Hulu. Freaking watch it because I don't want to be a broken record on here. But essentially, we can inherit the fears of generations before us. Like you were talking earlier about how babies are afraid of spiders. Yeah, babies are afraid of spiders for no reason. They don't know what a spider is. They don't know that spiders can be poisonous, but that is an inherited fear. Like there was this study where um, uh, mice were electrocuted every time they smelled a cherry blossom. And their offspring, when their offspring smelled a cherry blossom, they recoiled and ran to the yeah. ran away. You know, so we can inherit phobias, we can inherit fears, and um, and you know, it's interesting. Like so many of our decisions, I feel like were made for us generations ago. I mean, the fact that I sleep with clothes on, I'm sure that's something. Maybe it's a you thing. You know? <laughs> I'm sure my great great grandmother was a ventriloquist. Had a <laughs> she had to get up and perform in the middle of the night. So, I mean, this, this stuff like that, where you know, there something could have happened that is something that you carry, you know, with you. Um, like I don't eat hot food. <laughs> I eat cold food. Yeah, which I hate. I historical. Eat, my father, my grandfather, we used to eat over the sink, just out of the Tupperware. It's disrespectful <laughs> to the food my mom would slap the shit out of you i don't like hot food maybe one of my ancestors got burned by soup or i don't know see for us my mom we worked all day cooking that food this is how you're supposed to eat it this is the way it's meant to be eaten when benton makes me food and i eat it cold like i can see your heart oh it makes me so livid i'm like that's not it's historical correct <laughs> um so like there's a couple things like when i you know, you guys know I love horses and animals in general. Any kind of animal abuse makes me hysterical, but that is just, you know, um, you know, having a heart. That is just very real. But horses, especially like the carriage rides in New York. I mean, this is ultimately why I actually can't ride. I joke a lot about New York and the smell of urine and I don't want to inhale urea. Uh, you have worked too hard. But the thing is, the real reason I can't live in New York is the horse carriages. Because when I see it, I just, it makes me too upset. I can't even go uptown. I do not understand why anyone has to ride a horse carriage. Like, what are we fucking Amish? Why are we still doing this? It is so archaic. When I see the horses in the horse carriages because they are so broken i see so much of their sadness like their spirit is broken i have a meltdown i mean i go full angelina jolie yeah. in the changeling i'm like <gasps> like if i'm in a car or a cab like i have to like duck down and cover my face and cover my ears um i have like veins coming out of my head like i'll be in fetal position for days like i have an emotional hangover from that and la is like the only place 
really that I can think of that doesn't do horse carriages. No, well, they do horse races, which really oh, sucks. Oh, we have, because we have carriages in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's lots of them in Nashville, Charleston. And it's really very frustrating. And there's all these horrific videos that you may or may not have seen. It's so, anyway, I, I don't want to bump people out. Um, but de Blasio said he was going to do it. Bloomberg said he was going to do something about it. But like, no one, there's just so much money in it. You know, I've gotten in there and tried to rescue some of the horses and it's, it's really complicated and unfortunate. Um, but anyway, so that's an example of something that is like, I get super hysterical about. And I'm talking to the woman that does the family constellation and she came to my house and it was like four hours of talking and asking me questions about my ancestors. And I had to like stand on these little pieces of paper and I had to like talk to her as my grandmother. Like it felt very ridiculous i just was like what's the science what's the science and she was just like and now i'm talking to your grandfather and i was like what like no you're not like i just totally was not really a believer <laughs> and she said to me she was like you know you're great you carry a lot of guilt from your great great grandfather and grandmother on your dad's side and i was like okay like okay what and she was like well your great 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 grandfather did something unforgivable and I was like, oh, a man in the late 1800s, you don't say. <laughs> like, I just really narrow it down. And she said, he did something unforgivable, and your grandmother punished him by withholding love. And I was like, oh, my God, that is actually what I do. That is my strategy when I've been hurt is I withhold. So this is the curse on your family. So this <laughs> You got to find the witch. Break the... So that was a... That's an inherited sort of... I mean, it could just be a coincidence, but I do think that's what the women in my family sort of did. We don't yell, we don't scream, we don't like, we just withhold. That's what I do. And I'm not proud of it, just saying that's a, the tactic that I, it's like silent treatment basically. Mm -hmm. I just go, you don't get to talk. But to with me. emotions, like it's deep, because you said love, so it's more than just a silent treatment. You're withholding like actual Withholding feeling. love, yes. It's, a, it's when I, I mean not as much anymore because I've worked my ass off to function properly, but yeah, I recoil, retreat, and withhold love as a, as a way to punish. You know, Damn. yeah, that's rough. be careful. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, uh, yeah, all right, whatever. You know me, okay. <laughs> I know, rock and river. <laughs> so, and then my great great grandfather did something unforgivable, and I was like, ah, oh, he's probably an alcoholic. All of our great great grandfathers <laughs> were right, drinking moonshine, whatever. Uh, my, you know, his son, my grandfather, worked in coal mines. Like, who knows what was going on? And, um, and. I was like, okay, he did something unforgivable. I carry guilt from him. Maybe it was drinking or maybe he cheated or something. Forgot an anniversary. He forgot an anniversary, <laughs> was drinking so much. Who knows? And so I just kind of filed it away as sort of like, this is stupid. And then I was talking to my uncle one day and I was like, hey, do you know anything about my great, great grandfather? And like, what was up with him? And he was like, oh, he died of cirrhosis. I'm like, oh, that totally tracks. Died of drinking too much. Pickled himself. He probably cheated, right? Pickled. And um, and I was like, so did he, was he sort of in the coal business uh, with my grandfather? And he was like, no, he actually built horse carriages. And I was like, like, what do you mean? Like, I mean, I'm, I guess everybody built horse carriages. He's like, no, he was like specifically responsible for making it so the horse carriages could function. Like he patented something. And so he was like very responsible and horse care the horse carriage business and it which gave, at the time would probably be good right well no i'm saying i carry the guilt from that and that is why i you know maybe have this historical reaction to seeing horses and carriages because part of my you know ancestry helped build the horse carriage business 
Um, so that was just like a ooky spooky, like chills up my spine, like, oh my God. Um, I mean, I hate animals being abused, but to cry for two days after seeing a horse riding a carriage is definitely historical, you know? So it could be that. I don't know. Maybe there's something to family constellation. Maybe it is real. Yeah. Look into your ancestry. Ask questions about your great, great grandparents. Find out what they did, how they died, what they abused. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, you might, too could cry for hours. You might be carrying their shit around, you know? Like, we're kind of like marionette dolls, like puppets of what happened before us. So it's like a nice little, like, I don't know, it's like helpful to do a little fi fact-finding mission about like kind of what... So does it make it easier now? No, it's, it's still really... Um, you can do this, like, release it and forgive him and all that kind of shit. If he didn't do it, someone else would have done it, whatever. But no, I feel it, like, very deep in my cells, like, anger and rage and sadness when I see horse carriages, you know? So, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Bitch. <laughs> Word of the pod, what is it? Histrionic. That's not how you pronounce it. Histrionic? Nope. Histrionic? Yep. What, did I, what was I saying? Histrionic. <laughs> Say it again. Histrionic. Thank you, Benson. <laughs> Define it for me. Um, overly theatrical or melodramatic in character or style. Extravagated dramatic behavior designed to attract attention. Histrionic. Histrionic. Why isn't it saying the age? Histrionic. 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 Yes. I love this word. This is not something you should call someone to their face. I know. I feel, it, I feel it very attacked. No, it will not. <laughs> it will not go over well. To me, this is kind of a way. I just felt like on theme with the if it's hysterical, it's historical stuff. But it, to me, you can either use it to own your own behavior and go, hey, sorry about my behavior earlier. That was histrionic. I had a histrionic reaction to that thing. It's hysterical. It's historical. By the way, owning your historical shit is a great way to not get blamed for anything. <laughs> you go to your boss and I'm hey, sorry about what I did uh, earlier. This is historical. My ancestors had a thing about yeah. hole punching and that's why I hate doing it. <laughs> My ancestor was burned alive actually. <laughs> so I can't come into work today. <laughs> it's a great way um, to get out of things. <laughs> I, I need a day off. My it's not my fault. My ancestors are really in a ruckus. It's just like my great great grandfather's fault that I'm yeah. late. I'm so we sorry. We live by a creek. I have to go. <laughs> just around the river bend. I heard dude. a loud noise earlier, and my great great grandfather was a pigeon. <laughs> like you're like, what the hell are you talking about? Don't go to work and say that. <laughs> so when you're histrionic, you can use it as a way to describe your own reaction. I mean, to me, like Twitter is the definition of histrionic. Everyone is histrionic on Twitter because they're trying to get likes. They're trying to get retweets. Everybody's being melodramatic. Um, and you have to be. Twitter is a place where you're reading it. So you have to read it dramatic. Or you're histrionic sometimes. Oh, I'm. I love it. <laughs> This I love melodrama. I, I live in a telenovela in my You head. were very histrionic once when you were going through my makeup drawer and you found like old mascara. Yeah, that's safety. You freaked out. You're, for someone who is so into the health and the science, you should know that you're scientifically growing a small ecosystem on the end of that brush that you're then running through the... I didn't know you had to throw away makeup. I didn't... On the bond. I didn't know that makeup expired. Benton gets very histrionic about, like, if I buy a cream that's, like, natural, he's like, you need to use this in the next two months. Yeah. You need a makeup fridge. <laughs> you do need a makeup fridge. <laughs> do you see? And he goes, makeup fridge. Fridge. 
You get very uh, melodramatic about, uh, you get histrionic about merch. I do. Well, I want people to get we're the making, goods. We're making merch and Benton's like, that's not maroon. That's eggplant. <laughs> yeah, because I think people should get what they pay for. I agree. You know, your name's going to be on it. If it's going to say blessed and highly favored on it, <laughs> it better be. Better be blessed better, and highly yeah, favored. You better get what you get. <laughs> Benton, you get histrionic about that. Um tattoos you saw him oh my gosh benton got histrionic with me today because i want to get a bunch of uh horse tattoos on my uh arm and he said like, those are gonna fade and they're they gonna will fade they're too small too small those tiny lines the bold will hold that's what tattoo artists say mm -hmm. those tiny little lines are gonna fade you're gonna break it down also on your arm like we've seen that where do you want my new tattoos? I think you should get them like somewhere cool, like here, like along the. the He's along, pointing along to his armpit. I'm gonna tell you along the ridge of your boob, maybe like on the end of your part of your armpit, maybe the back of your like your your shoulder blade. That'd be, but then I won't see it. Yeah, well, why can't you I do know it on my it's arm? There. I mean, you can do it on your arm. I'm just saying it's a little like we get. Look it. how histrionic Benton it's is just being. Like, it's just like I live in Hollywood. I have tiny tattoos. We can cover them up whenever we need to. But it's so small. I love tattoos. I'm edgy. <laughs> I That's have to be able to cover like. them up. They cover up Johnny Depp's tattoos. They cover Angelina. No, they don't. Hold He's back. always playing a pirate. Angelina's whole back is tattooed. It's By the way, that's the not covered up. They do it, fix it, and post for Angelina Jolie. Frame do by it. frame, costs thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, and it looks great. So I mean, you got to be box office gold to pull that. Have that kind of leverage. You'll be like, bitch, yes, I'm my tiger tattoo when I'm playing a Disney princess. Listen, listen. I'm just saying. It's just we've. I want to we get, get horses uh, on my arm, running across my arm. Where are they going? They're running. That's like when, people get, all those, when people get little stars tattooed on them. What are you, a solar Sorry, system? I don't have every 90s horror movie icon on my legs like you do. So sorry. You're good. I want to do something normal. Wow. Normal. This feels like a real fight. <laughs> I'm just saying. My body, sure. my choice. It is. I think you, I told you I'll support you whatever you do. Very See, that loyal. is even very more histrionic. Loyal. I'm very loyal. But I'm just Are saying, you? Yes. I'll be right. I'll hold your hand when you get the little tattoo. <laughs> I'm just saying. What? I'm just saying. We've seen that. We've seen these little tattoos on atrocities. Good. It works. Does it though? That's what happened. Then they're on Ellen like, here's my tattoo. <laughs> Here they are. When I got the Prozac, see, this is, I think that if something's been done a lot, that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Like uh, Prozac. So I went in the psychiatrist and he was like, all right, you know, I think you should try Prozac. And I was like, isn't that like. Isn't there like a newer one? Like Prozac. Like that's like the like first antidepressant, right? Like don't I want like the new shit? And he was like, it's so weird that you would say that because this is the one that's the most the tried and true, tested, proven to work. Like why would you want like the newest, hippest antidepressant that hasn't been tested yet? Yeah, so you're agreeing with me then. The newest, hippest, teeny tiniest tattoo won't hold. <sighs> How dare you? You're really on one today, Benton. I just think that we should just do them right. Fine. What did you learn this week? Oh, I learned that dogs can smell cancer. They have incredible... <laughs> it's an incredible sense of smell, guys. They can sense... They can smell the odors. They can detect odor signatures of Benton colon cancer. Benton is so excited about this, he can hardly... Colon cancer, prostate cancer. So if a dog is sniffing your butt, you might want to get that shit checked. Yeah, I don't think we should go that far. Cause in my research, I, they're like training dogs to do it. So don't be don't be the person that goes to your doctor like my poodle smelled my breath. <laughs> but they said they can smell your breath, body fluids, or skin. And please don't make your dog smell your body fluids. No, don't do that. That's a, let's a, just if you that's a crime. Yeah, you want to go to like a a dog doctor. Yeah, 
No, just go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah, go but, to actual doctors. But they're using it in medical clinics. Like, yeah, they're using it as a way as a sign. Yeah. people that don't want a lot of invasion, they don't want to get in the machines. Like a lot of times they'll use know, a dog, have a, a dog, dog doctor, <laughs> yeah. sniff it out, which is really interesting. The thing I learned this week is pretty random. Did you know that John Stamos was a drummer in the Beach Boys? Uh, I personally did not. It, how come I'm just learning this? This is not a piece of science, but. He was a drummer in the Beach Boys for like a while. John, okay, Mike Love, I guess, is one of the Beach Boys. He became friends with someone in 1982. I actually, why am I Googling this? I, I texted with Stamos about it um, to ask him exactly. Hold on, let me look it up. Excuse me while I look up my <laughs> text from my famous friend. Um, isn't that crazy? From Full that House. Crazy. From Full House. He's on Full House. He's on You. You saw You. I did see You. He's very good in the show You. And he's also like an incredible drummer for the Beach Boys. I didn't believe it when somebody told me that. I thought they was prank they were pranking me. He played the drums in Glee once. I saw that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so this is like a known thing. I'm always the last to know shit. I don't know, like... I just found out like three months ago that Jason Schwartzman is related to Nicolas Cage. And that Nicolas Cage is related to Francis Ford Coppola. Well, I just learned how to say Julian Hoffman's name. Okay. We were talking yesterday <laughs> because we were trying to figure out my sexuality. And Benton was like, oh, maybe you're like the new Julian Hoffman. I was like, what? I called her Julian Hughes. Hughes. No, you didn't. Julian you, Hughes. No, it was work. Julianne. Julianne Hughes. Julian Huff. What is her name? <laughs> Julie's. I don't know. Julian Huff. I don't. Why am I pretending like I fucking know? Um, <laughs> because she's exploring her sexuality. Her husband is. How? Do, I mean, why would you know her name? Because she Dancing was in Burlesque. Star. Hey, sister, go, sister. No. <laughs> Burlesque hey, with Cher and Christina Aguilera. Oh. Marmalade. Itchy, itchy, yeah, yeah, Gaga. From Moulin Rouge. Itchy, itchy, yeah, yeah. Tata. Smoke a loca bata, yeah, yeah. Real little marmalade. Who would you be in that? Maya. Okay. <laughs> no, pink, pink. Pink? Wasn't pink? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, pink. Who would you be? Christina Aguilera. Yeah, I know. You're obsessed with Christina Aguilera. She's fun. So random. I love, she's so fun to me because no one can sing like that, and yet she's still trying to coach people. It's my favorite thing about Oh, on the voice? On anything. She'll just be master class to the master class. I teach you how to sing. Is she the best singer, do you think? I think that she's a voice of our generation. Like For sure. But she is, you would say, she's going to go down in history as like a Whitney Houston. Oh, I think she's definitely one of the best singers around. Wow. I mean, don't you? I don't know anything about singing. Me neither, but that's just an opinion. <laughs> I just made an opinion. But I just mean there is science behind who's a good singer. Okay, but like I'm not listening to her for the science. Like of I can music. listen to, I can hear Whitney Houston and go like, oh shit, she can go oh, oh, like longer than anyone else. That must mean she's great. <laughs> she can do what longer? She can go like, oh, oh. like you know when they do that thing with their voice, it's like, oh, yeah, oh. Christina Aguilera. Oh. I mean Ariana Grande. What's Kelly the other? Uh, 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 don't sleep on Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. I Jennifer love Hudson. I bought the Weight Watchers book because well, you her. know how I know someone's a good singer if they can sing a Whitney Houston song. <laughs> mm. So if someone covers a Whitney Houston song, I'm like, oh, they must be an amazing. I think singer. someone's a good singer if they can take a song like that and make me like it more. If they mm. can take a really iconic. song. You can be a good performer, not a good singer. Yeah, but I'm a lyricist. So oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm really into lyrics. Okay, we can't end on that. Is there anything else you have to say for yourself? <laughs> for myself? Any more announcements? Merch is coming. The merch is coming. You guys seem really excited. 
We're going to work on more merch. Let's get through this. You guys have a lot of ideas. <laughs> we're just trying to get Benton, through Benton, by the way, we are selling merch on the road and Benton is doing it. Yes. I, That's all I know. We're going to sell merch on the road. We're going to. We're about to do 22 it. cities and Benton um, will be in the lobby after the show <laughs> with a bag full of t-shirts like, <laughs> with a suitcase. I'd just like to say up front, please don't ask me another question. Uh, <laughs> Benton, you, I love that you think that this is going to go smoothly. It's going to be, It'll be fine. very stressful. I, I enjoy You're it. used to, you've worked in merch before. Uh, yeah, I've worked in retail for sure, and I could hawk. I can hawk anything. <laughs> you just and plus, I really like these things. We worked very hard on them. I believe in them. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that it's very time effective. I'm worried I'm going to get into like chit chatty mode and be like, "Oh, did you also want a shirt?" Sorry. Yeah. No, you got to get. Yeah, I get real. I got to get real, guys. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get there. You're gonna. You're gonna be like, "Hey, Ben," I'm like, "I'm real right." I'm now. real right now. When you told me to just get real. Yeah. Our interview today is a real treat. Um, you missed this interview because we had a dog emergency. A, full, a real emergency. This is the great David Sedaris. This really genius. Me. Genius. This, I mean, you know David's. I don't have to tell you. Um, famous for his pieces on This American Life. I mean, they were legendary. Uh, his master class. I watched his master class, and it freaking changed my life. And I mentioned it. It sounds like I'm doing an ad for master class <laughs> in the interview. I'm like, so in your master class, in your master class, it sounds like there's someone off camera like electrocuting me to make sure I say master class. <laughs> but I really, I watched it, and I got. I've really been into binging these master class things. Not an They're ad. Fun. They're not paying me. Um, I just love it. And he said so many incisive, smart things. And he's so fucking funny. It was also just so nice for him on the podcast because there was no like walking on eggshells. He just went for it. Um, he's the kind of funny you can't mimic either. Like he's, oh, he's that unique true original. kind of funny where you're like, what? Where'd you get that? I don't. His mind is, yeah. un, it is a marvel. If you've never read anything by him, go buy any book. Literally uh, any well, one of them. My favorites are Me Talk Pretty One Day. Dress Your Family in Cordorian Denim was very big. <laughs> that was a big one. Uh, Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls. Oh, I like that one a lot. I mean, I have a whole bookshelf full of David Sedaris I love Calypso. It's one of my Calypso, that was, that's one of the more new ones, It right? was like a little dark and funny, and I really liked that. Yeah, that's your brand. Um, when You're Engulfed in Flames, the one with the skull on the cover. Um, Squirrel Sea Chipmunk. Can I say it? Yeah, she's You ever heard of that? Ta ta. Squirrel die. I mean, there's too many to name. I mean, it's endless. Um, during the interview, I was on antibiotics, and I also, <laughs> while I was talking to him, you know how I'm always worried that I have dried lipstick on the corners of my lips? Yeah, we did a whole episode on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was David Sedaris here, and I was so nervous. And by the way, I was also pacing around the house. Like a, like a girl waiting for her prom date. Yeah, well, also your dog was very sick, so. But I was. Heightened. Yeah, I heightened stress. And so I was so nervous about having crusty, nasty, like, smegma lip that I scratched my lips with both of my fingers, cut my lip, could taste blood during the beginning of the interview, and then started covering my mouth so that he didn't think I just had, like, a stigmata, that I was just <laughs> bleeding from the fucking Love face. Stigmata. So I think this might, my audio might be muffly because I was covering my mouth the entire time. Because you're a vampire. He didn't know. I was also sick and on antibiotics. And I was like, if I get David Sedaris sick, I will never forgive myself. So my audio might be a little bit weird because I had a full on psychological meltdown <laughs> in front of David Sedaris. I was so nervous. But you're going to enjoy it, guys. We say all that to say that you're going to love the episode. Yeah. So I just want you guys to know the like info behind it. I had never met him before. So I didn't start the episode with Are We Friends because I'd never met him. And I was just a big fan. Because she knew the answer. I, I knew the answer. They are. I know. <laughs> I know who I am. Um, okay. Enough is enough. We got to go. <laughs> Me selling merch. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm real. <laughs> 
Winniecummings.com. Subscribe. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, subscribe. Comment. Don't write elephants. Don't write elephants. I love that you're trying to get this podcast built up. I'm just trying to save elephants. Subscribe. Comment. Don't touch bear cubs, lions, tigers, or bears. Don't touch them. Don't hold them. Don't touch any animals. None. None ever. Stay in your house, listen to this podcast. Like, subscribe, like, comment. Sub- subscribe, comment to the iTunes. Share. Share it. Share. That's fun. Do you believe in life after love? <laughs> yes. I might be a good singer. Might be. Take that class. <laughs> Do you believe in life after love? My chemistry teacher. Was the that good? O- the only reason. How I- do you know that wasn't good? The- because I can hear it. The only reason. <laughs> uh, the only reason I passed chemistry is because I sung share. I would act like share to my chemistry teacher and she let me pass. Do you believe in life after love? It's- no matter how hard I try, <laughs> you keep pushing me aside <laughs> and I can't break through. That's really good. No shit. talking to you. <laughs> So say that you leave. It takes time to, to believe, believe it. <laughs> and after all, it's said and done. I'm going to be the lonely one. Oh, do you believe in love after love? Do you like to use headphones or not? Oh, yeah, I do, actually. Do you, you like to use them? I still haven't decided. Oh, you know what? Let's not, because it's. I didn't know it was going to be filmed. It looks better with if it's filmed without them. We'll without, just go without them, yeah. I sometimes do it because it makes me feel like I'm more focused or something. Oh, really? Well, see, if I'm recording an audiobook or something, I wear them because they help me hear myself. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm recording, I use them. Yeah. Sometimes, well, let's we'll play it by ear. Yeah. We'll try them and take them off. For me, it's like a Pavlovian thing. It's like now it's time to focus. Okay. If this thing is squeezing your head, you need to pay attention. All right. <laughs> um, can you tell how uh, intimidated by I am by the fact that you're here based on all the makeup I have around me? Really? I've been putting makeup on for the past like 20 minutes in really? anticipation of you arriving. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> they all think I'm insane. I was acting like a 15-year-old girl waiting for a boy to show up. I was pacing around my house and looking out the window waiting for you to show up. Really? Yeah. Gee, that's nice. I'm I, a very big fan. Oh, that's so nice of you to say. I didn't... Uh, gosh, I never expect that. Really? Yeah. That's wild. I mean, I expect it like... I didn't expect to be on the New York Times bestseller list, you know, but I, I don't expect that, you know, when I go somewhere to anybody to know who I am. Really? Well, who do you think's buying all those books that put you on the bestseller list? <laughs> well, like, I do shows in L.A. sometimes. Yeah. And it's funny because I met uh, Matthew Weiner, you know, who... Oh, uh, love Mad Men, yeah. Yeah. And... He and he said, "Oh, I've come to see you a bunch of times." And he said, "It's always TV writers in the audience." And I never knew yep. that. Oh yes, never occurred to me. Huge. You're all of our hero, basically. Huh. <laughs> never ever occurred to me because I meet, you know, I sign books and I ask people, and I never meet them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never meet anybody who. Or you never TV. ask them what their occupation is. No, know? I do all the time, but I I've never met anybody who said, "Oh, I write for this or that show." So I guess. They don't stand in line. You know? oh, that's so, oh, that's interesting. They probably get the backstage passes. What's the weirdest thing anyone's ever asked you to sign? Mm, I, don't, I, I don't like to do that. You know, like somebody, oh, a guy came up, and I did notice, right? I mean, you couldn't help but notice 
that one of his arms ended just below the elbow. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looked like a chicken wing a uh-huh. little bit. You know? well, no. It kind of petered out. It wasn't like... And then he said, will you sign my stump? <laughs> and then I had to act like, you have a stump? You know, which... <laughs> Of course, I'd already seen it. The performance begins. Yeah. And so I said, okay, sure. Whereas if somebody said, would you sign my arm? I wouldn't do it. Just because I'm not a celebrity. So I, f- so I don't sign things. And I feel like signing books, I'm comfortable. Right. And then a lot of people now, you know, they listen to audiobooks on their phone. So will you sign my phone? It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Will you sign my Kindle? Yep, 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 yep. But what a lot of people do now, and I don't... I don't know if it's a where they got this idea, but they'll come and say, you've signed this book three times already. Will you sign it again? And you want it. And a couple of times I've said, I've said, uh, you're the 20th person tonight to ask me to do that. And then they look like you slapped them because they think that it's original. Ugh. And it's far from original. Yeah. And it's not a money thing. I just don't want to do it. I don't think it's funny. And so now I say... Yeah. I'll sign a piece of paper and you can do whatever you want with it. Mm. You know. Do you ever feel like people need a lot from you? Uh, like yeah, when but they come you know up what? Like I don't have that much to do, so I'm happy to give it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't ever feel. Uh, there's this author who I met, and she uh, in the Netherlands, and she said, "Oh, I I can't sign books for more than ten minutes because people." tell me stories and I'm just drained and then I can't do anything for the next three days and I'm like that's not a problem for me I mean <laughs> people tell me horrible things and I sleep like a baby like it doesn't <laughs> bother me in the least bit and I never think of it, of it in a vampiric way yeah uh, it's everything I ever dreamed of is that people would stand in line to talk to me and whatever they want to talk to about is fine and I'm happy to sit there my record is ten and a half hours wow and and if there had been another 400 people in line I would have said okay because it's all I ever wanted and I really tell you the truth I don't see a downside to it I do when people aren't paying attention Mm -hmm. and you're completely nice to somebody and you're engaging and then they complain about what you wrote in the book. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and it's and it's yeah. like I was nice. Yep. I, 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 I did this thing where I was drawing. I I was <laughs> it sounds so bad. I was drawing people naked. Right. <laughs> I said, "Oh, this is your portrait naked." And I drew this woman's portrait naked. And her daughter came to me and said, "My mother had breast cancer." And you drew her with those drooping breasts that you drew. And, and her mother was already like 80. Mm, Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I was drawing her mother so at a hundred. It's a gravity thing. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't have anything to do with the... And, and I was talking to the mother and I was drawing a picture in her book. And I was... So I, I, just, I just felt like if the mother came and if I just signed my name and pushed the thing back to her. And then you want to complain? Great. You have every right to. But I, I thought we were having a moment, you know. That's so interesting. It, I think also I try to think of the kind of people that will come up and talk to you or, or, or you know, I think mine's probably a little bit different, but these are probably very sensitive people. You know, these, I, I try to just always stay in that mode. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, the kind of people that are sitting here waiting are probably a sensitive, emotional group of people that need 
a lot from me, and I just have to forgive whatever their behavior is. Well, I remember, like, I went and saw somebody when I lived in Chicago, and it, she was a, a comedian slash actress more than a writer, but she put a book out. Mm-hmm. And I went to get her book, and it was a lot of money for me at the time. Mm. And I got up there, and she was talking to her, I guess maybe it was her publicist, and she said, yeah, I don't know, there's really not that much to do in this town. She just saw my book and pushed it back to me. And I, and I felt so betrayed Ooh. by that. And I just thought, when it's my turn, mm-hmm. and I'm the author, I'm never, ever going to do that, ever. That's so cool. But then, like you know, like I said, like my agent called one day and said, I got a letter from this woman, and she's crazy. And she said she came with her 15-year-old daughter, and you gave the daughter a condom. You said, <laughs> and you told the daughter you didn't want to be responsible for her getting pregnant, and so she could only use this for anal sex. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I remember her. I remembered her exactly. But I said it in a nice way. You know? <laughs> it's very helpful. I mean, I wish, I wish you were around when I was 16. It would have saved me a lot of uh, Planned Parenthood visits. But the, the, the line had been cut off, mm-hmm. right? Because I had, I'd do it before and after the show. So the line had been cut off, and it was time for me to go start the show. And this woman said, you can do one more. You know, like, there's always that person. You can do one more. And, yeah. and it was, I noticed it was a young girl. You know, 15, she was 15. And then I thought, okay, I can do Yeah, you're right. I can do one more. And then I engaged the girl and I talked to her. And then the mother got so upset. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I went out of my way. And I was, you know, I was friendly and everything. Yeah. And I don't expect the daughter yeah. to have anal sex with I mean, <laughs> I, it's such a crazy thing to say. It doesn't... <laughs> Like, there's a ridiculous clause, like... Yes, yes. Uh, there was something I wrote for The New Yorker one time, and then I said, can we get in trouble, and can we get... And they said, no, that's what you proposed is so ridiculous <laughs> that nobody would be allowed to take it seriously. Right. And that, to me, is what that is. Yeah. And if she was wearing a bonnet, you know, and she was wearing clothes she had made herself mm-hmm. on the loom that her family has, and she rode to the came to the reading in a buggy, I would not... I would not have said that. <laughs> she seemed, you know, she lived in a big city. I figured she'd heard of anal sex. Parents are in such denial about the internet. It's just so funny. Mm. It's like, oh, you think this is bad? Wait till your kid watches a movie or sees the internet. And <laughs> you're really going to be stressed out. Well, but it's different for you because you. Like when you're meeting people, is it more like a stage door situation? When I'm meeting people, I think I, I think I've put myself in a situation. I have so much gratitude for what I do. I'm like you. I never in a million years thought anyone would wait in line to want to talk to me or sign something, and I stay as long as I can, always. But I do think with me, people often try to be funny, and they end up hurting my feelings. Mm. It's pretty common. Hey, cons. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, it's, you know, I think if you do a certain type of comedy or I did the roasts a lot, you know, people really want to come up and, you know, insult me or make right. me laugh. And it just ends up <laughs> making me uh, hurting, uh, breaking my heart sometimes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm um, so intimidated about doing this because I just watched your masterclass and I loved the section on how to ask good questions. So I feel like I need oh. to open on. Do you know a lot of doctors? <laughs> I don't know enough. I mean, the doctors that I'm getting to know 
lately are like working on me. So, <laughs> but I but I don't have friends who are doctors. But that's exactly the kind of friends. Yeah, that you need. Yeah. But I met a doctor at a party. Mm-hmm. And pardon me. Um, I met a doctor at a party in England, and I hope that might lead to something. But I haven't seen him since then. But I'd love to. Uh, I've been meeting a lot of doctors at readings because I a doctor came and told me about somebody who'd shoved uh, a dildo up his ass, and the door shut behind it. <laughs> and then, and then that happens. Apparently, you stick something three quarters of the way up, and the asshole says, "I'll take that," and yep. it just sucks it right yep, in there. Yep, yep. A sphincter action. And so, why wasn't this in your master class? I would have loved. <laughs> To see that portion. Well, then the guy tried to get it out with a coat hanger. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. And then that didn't work. So he cut the coat hanger with, with metal clippers mm. and went with another coat hanger. Okay. And Where was this? Florida? I, I have it written down in my diary, the state. But, and I said, what did the guy say? He's, and the guy said, oh, I tripped. Oh. So he came in. Like to make it sound like he was like maybe bringing the dildo to his wife and he had hangers, you know. She, and then he fell down the stairs and then the next thing, you know. <laughs> but another big excuse, people say, oh, I accidentally sat on it. Like a thermos that was coated with Vaseline. Yeah, I was going to say, this took a lot of lubing yeah. up, a lot yeah. of orchestrating, a lot of practice. And so, do- and so I've met a couple nurses who send me pictures now. <laughs> That's a good end. Chilling pictures. Bone chilling. Like one picture, and it was somebody, maybe they were uh, were diabetic, and they had a hole in the top of their foot, but you could see the tendons in their foot. <gasps> but what was interesting about it, and, and she said these people always say, oh, it just happened two days ago. <laughs> and like, there's no way it just happened two days ago. But they let it go, which is exactly what I would do. When people lie to them, they have to just yes and and improvise with them. But I would let something like that go. Like, if I noticed a big growth on my shoulder, I'd say it'll go away tomorrow. And luckily, I don't know where I heard this, but people who are married or in a relationship live longer. Mm-hmm. And it's because their partner nags them into going to the to doctor. the doctor. So interesting. Yeah. Um, I uh, I love the story about the tumor you gave to a snapping turtle. I did a lot of research on why you're not allowed to keep your own tumor. Why? It's apparently state by state, but normally... If there's a some kind of in, disease in it, that's their main concern, is that some sort of uh, disease you could contract. And also because they want to do research on it. Um, but there is a website called storeyourtumor.com. I got really into this. I really screwed up my algorithm researching this. And there is a law where you cannot keep a Native American uh, body part. But you are technically allowed to keep your own body parts. So I really want to get into what happened with that tumor. You can't keep no. a Native American body part. Look this up. It's a law. Body part. No. Be something about the Native American graves and such. Uh, there was a law passed. But you should be able to keep your own. So the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. Can you imagine if I mispronounce that in front of him? Uh, makes it illegal to own or trade Native American remains. Otherwise, a few states restrict owning or selling human body parts. I think it was Georgia, huh. Mississippi. I got very into this. I want to get your tumor back from that snapping turtle. <laughs> so, yeah, I got very, very into this. Um, but, you know, a lot of doctors now, dentists, they won't give you your tooth. Oh, that's interesting. And when we were young, you know, they'd always give it to you. We had a jar full of teeth. Yeah. Yeah. 
But now they say it could, you could get flesh-eating bacteria from your own tooth, which I think that's overreacting. I think they could put it in some bleach and you'd be fine. So there is now no U.S. federal law preventing the ownership of body parts unless they're Native American. I got very into this. Wait. The general rule is you have custody of it. You are considered the owner of your body parts as long as they're inside of you. <laughs> Once it's outside, we have some reasonable expectation about what's going to be done with it. Uh, so they're only yours as long as they're on the inside. I'm so curious. Did the snapping turtle take it right away? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just food. Yeah. And there's nothing, you know, a snapping turtle won't. Like, snapping turtles are like foxes. Like, yeah. a fox is never going to say... Uh, I'm sorry, that's too far gone for me. <laughs> There's no such thing. Right. It's too far gone for a fox. Right. I um I got very into this uh because in your master class you talk about the art of asking questions, which for any artist is just the most important thing. And uh I'm pretty weird at parties because I tend to go straight for, like, what meds are you on? Like, I always skip small talk, and people uh really don't like it. But I'm like, I'm here to get jokes. (laughs) I'm not here to socialize. (laughs) You know, that's pretty much the only way I can attune to people. Um, But I got super fascinated by this because whenever someone tells me, like, oh, that party was boring, or I didn't have any fun, or I don't like that person, I always think you just didn't ask the right questions. Right. I do, too. You know? Um, and, uh, And one of my favorite questions to ask people, and I'm just curious if this is too far is like asking someone like like what do you take any prescriptions like i always ask that to people. if i was at a party and somebody came up and said do you take any prescriptions i would be so i would be so happy and <laughs> i mean i think gosh that's a good question yeah. what a good icebreaker and if i were taking something let's say that i was embarrassed about i would just lie and i would leave it off the list or i'll just open with it i'll normally go like oh the prozac hasn't kicked in yet and then they feel to be like oh yeah neither is mine and i just switched to Wellbutrin or whatever and you can sort of really start to dig in but i was saying to someone a while ago uh i live mainly in the south of england and and, and england's different than most countries like there people are are warm in the north mm. and kind of colder in the south hmm. and we're and especially growing up in north carolina we have to say hello to everybody and you have to um engage in a lot of you know chit chat uh if i'm walking and i'm in the country and i see somebody in the front yard and i say hello they'll turn their back on me wow they will not even say hello to me and so and and Odd. there's a fitness center i've been going to for 9 years in this village I don't know anybody there. I've been going for nine years. No one's ever asked me my name. The people who work at the front desk have never said anything to me. Hmm. Um, Like, oh, Christmas is coming. I mean, nothing. And then there was this guy, and he was like in his 80s. And I said, are you a doctor? And he said, no, what makes you think that? I said, you look just like a doctor. I've seen you for years. I always assumed you were a doctor. And he said, no, I used to do this, and then I did this before. So is the interview over? <laughs> and then uh, this friend of mine, who's a Whoa! fireman, said, I should have said, no, I just, I just have one more question. <laughs> Why are you such a cunt? <laughs> I also love, can you explain to me, In I've seen a lot of English comedians come over, and when they say they don't realize the cunt over here, you right. can't say, but bitch in England is like the cunt of England, right? Actually, cunt in England is fanny. And when Americans say, oh, I have it in my fanny pack, they can't believe what they just heard. So fanny is the English version of cunt here? A fanny is a pussy, okay. basically. Because a, a fanny is a tush here. 
Right. Right? Yeah. But there it's like saying pussy. Ooh, okay, so if you But cunt is not even like... That's nothing. That's a term of endearment. And the French use it that way, too. It just means an idiot. Right. And so... It makes me always makes it makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> and here it's it, you know it, it plays differently. Here is the I, probably the roughest thing you can say to someone, a we, woman at least. Right, but you wouldn't call a man a cunt here, and that's what's funny in yeah. England is because I hear more men being called cunts, cunts than women. Yeah, it's like hey buddy, over there, or oh why are you being such a cunt? Like why are you being such a? And it's almost like. It's not why you're being such an asshole. It's like why you're being such an idiot. And then fanny would be why you're being such a fanny. That's like you're not. No, you would more say like, uh, you know, I met this girl and she stuck an entire 30 watt light bulb up her fanny. (laughs) It would be more like that. (laughs) Took it out with a coat hanger. (laughs) And then bitch over there. Like, what's the roughest thing you can say to a woman over there? Gosh. If you want to verbally abuse a woman (laughs) in England, how would you do it? Huh. (laughs) In case. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they have so many words like that we don't, mm-hmm. like different words for a slut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that we don't have, like call somebody a slag or call somebody a... Huh. Gosh, that's a really good question. I mean... Um, and pretty over there is fit, right? He's oh, very fit. Fit? That's like handsome. Oh, gosh. I don't know that I've ever noticed that. I think, maybe. Um uh golly i mean i know i tried to say cunt on the bbc (laughs) and there was a time when you could but now you can't and i used the word on stage the perfect it was a diary entry Mm -hmm. and this woman went on a date with a man she met online Mm -hmm. and he he'd never been married and he was like in his 50s and he said i guess you could say i have a fear of the c word and she leaned across the table and said cunt and he meant commitment, is what he meant. <laughs> and, and then I read that in London, and a woman came and slapped a piece of paper on the counter and said, here's where you can send an apology letter for using that word. But I thought it was a perfect way of using it, because you're quoting a woman oh, no, that's who said it She's wrong. by accident. She's wrong. And it, it, there's no purer way, I think, to She's wrong. use that word. And look, I mean, it's it's such a wild time. I mean, I, I remember you were talking somewhere about how at some comedy festival there was a was it a female comedian who was told not to self deprecate, yeah, or to not to criticize her own body, yeah. Oh, that that really grinds my gears. You know, it's you're you can you're allowed to be offended by something. You're allowed to have feelings about something. That doesn't mean the artist needs to change their behavior. I mean, it's it's to me kind of a scary time that people think that their feedback matters. Well, <laughs> it's funny because I just wrote something about that, and yeah. So this woman, it was a women's comedy festival, and she wasn't allowed to make fun of her own body. And that same night that I read that, I listened to some old Toady Fields records, mm. and. When Toadie Fields was a staple on TV when I was growing up, and it was like, hey, Toadie Fields on TV! We would all run to watch Toadie Fields. And her whole thing was about how fat and how ugly she was. Her whole act, right? And I listened to her Best Of album, and she says, just once, I'd like to open the newspaper and see a headline, Toadie Fields, raped in an alley. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying that today? You just said it and went over great. <laughs> I mean, but, I, but a lot of people don't understand that the that is how the audience feels like you, you know, 
are self-aware. You have to be able to address things that the audience are thinking. It's a mm-hmm. way to get power over them. I think people don't understand. You're disempowering yourself. No, you're not. This is how I'm gaining my power. Trust us. That drives me totally insane. Um, and I was thinking more about uh, questions. I've been thinking about this ever since I watched um, your episode. And one of my favorite questions to ask a woman is, what color lipstick is that? Because it will turn into like a 25-minute spiral, mm-hmm. and you learn so much. It's like, and I had to mix these two colors, and this one's discontinued, and this one is my mom's, and my, I borrowed this from my, you know, this is my ex-boyfriend's girlfriend's lipstick I found under his bed. I mean, it just turns into such a fascinating sort of litany of stories. So that's a, a question. I find in New York City, you could always ask what color nail polish Ooh. a cashier is wearing, because often the cashiers in New York City... Like it's like, what's the one thing I can do to make me unfit for this job? And it's like, oh, I'm going to grow my nails so long they're going to curl under. My and only job is to push these yeah, buttons, so I can basically do nothing. And so they can tend to be pretty rude, you know. Yeah. But but if you yeah. say anything about their nails, everything changes. Everything. Did you do that yourself? Mm. What color? How often do you get your nails done? Everything changes. So much pride. Yeah. And it it takes so much work. And I think, you know, nails are something I never took seriously. And it's actually made me a better writer when I put effort into my nails because you're looking at your hands all day. That's all we ever look at now. So when oh right yeah so uh-huh. when my nails are a mess I always just my self esteem is a little bit lower. I had a really good idea for fingernails a while ago, and I'm trying to <laughs> remember. It was something to. And it's something I'd never seen anybody do with their fingernails. Uh-oh. Gosh darn it. And I can't remember. Ripped them off? No. It was. He's it pulling was, out his notepad. This is a big It moment. was pretty My good. My just skipped a beat. This is the infamous notepad but, just came out. I'm dying. You know how much we could get for that on eBay? But I did have an idea for, and I don't know if this exists yet, okay, a makeup company called Apocalypse, but L-I-P-S, you know, so it would be, and then you could do... Call eye, Shark Tank right now. Call Shark Tank, guys. And then you could it's do eye makeup. Dollars. And the eye makeup would be called Apocalypse Brow. <laughs> Get the money. I mean, we're printing money in here. Matilda, don't call Mark Cuban at Shark Tank. Let's go. Is Shark Tank a show where people put bright ideas into yes they pitch ideas and then a bunch of financiers give them money to start their product well this i don't know if this exists either but i thought of a restaurant called ramen holiday (laughs) (laughs) so good i had a pretty uh ambitious uh, i i wanted to do a weave store for a long time and i worked on a lot of like weave store ideas like adam and weave Weave oh. it to beaver. I wanted to kind of like <laughs> <laughs> weave it to beaver yes, would be perfect for like pubic hair in there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable is always a good. <laughs> weave Saint Laurent. Take it or weave it. <laughs> Take it or weave it is really good. <laughs> Weaving on a jet plane, it could be in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Take it or weave it is the best. <laughs> Look, most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head, or counting backwards from 10, doesn't always work. I, maybe saying the Pledge of Allegiance might give you a boner, actually. Maybe we should have said... <laughs> Some people, yeah, for sure. <laughs> America! Fuck yeah! <laughs> Folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. 
Sexuals. Roman swipes are <laughs> clinically proven to help you last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast acting, but they don't require a prescription. They will not transfer to your partner so you can last longer without worrying. You got enough worries when you're in there bumping uglies. They're super easy to use, too. Mm-hmm. You just take your swipe out of the packet, you swipe it on your little pee pee, oh. you let it dry, and then you're good to go. That's all you got to do, and then you got a numb one. <laughs> Get 10% off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash Whitney. That's GetRoman.com slash Whitney for $10 off and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash Whitney. Ernest, do you have student loans? Refinancing them with Ernest could save you money on lower... Why are you being so sad about this? Because have you ever had a student loan? Yes, I have. (laughs) They suck. Pep it up. I know. People with student loans need a more positive attitude (laughs) to get through it. Ernest, do you have student loans? <laughs> Refinancing them with Ernest could save you money or lower your monthly payment. And it only takes two minutes to check your online rate. If you are still paying the same rate you were paying when you graduated, odds are you can reduce your monthly payment and save big, big, big. <laughs> Even if you have refinanced before with today's low rate environment, most people can save by refinancing again. If you qualify, Ernest offers customizable loan terms and no fees. It's fast. It's easy. You just complete a few questions online. It takes like two minutes, which you'll be able to do because you have a college education, which is why you have loans in the first place. You're going to get a personalized estimate all without affecting your credit score. Hashtag. That's very important. Uh, you can even combine private and federal loans. Sounds very complicated, but they'll do it. Um, plus, the Internet loves Ernest's customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So you'll always get the support you need. They're the best. Start saving right now. Our listeners get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash Whitney. That's $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan at earnest.com slash Whitney. Uh, go to earnest.com. You know, I've said it four times, but go to earnest.com slash Whitney today. Terms and conditions apply. It's my dream to open a company to just, like, name stores and name restaurants and stuff. Have you ever been to the Philippines? I haven't. The Philippines is really the world capital of pun names for businesses. I love it. I didn't expect it at all. I went to the Philippines, and I laughed all day over the names of stores. And the Simpsons has always been good at that, (laughs) too. When they go to a mall, always the best... I love shops. if you can get three puns in one USA. The USA Network does a good job with this. They have these shows that'll be called like, you know, blue collar. And it's about blue collar people. You know, they there's a chef that specializes in like f- making fish collar or something. And then it'll be in a blue state. And the guy's name will be like Mr. Blue. Like they'll put so many puns within one thing. So I love coming up with fake USA TV show titles um there was something oh and it was in my diary oh gosh what was it and it was uh oh gosh darn it all right just give me a second it was uh oh <laughs> i bought my sister amy some rabbit shaped candles Great. for her christmas stocking and when i was in berlin and then i said to hugh i said they're pretty and everything but when you light them they smell like burning hair right <laughs> And every time I've read that on stage, the audience groans. And I don't think that's an acceptable reaction to a pun. Why do people groan? I never groan. Is that new? Is it? Do you notice it's... No, they've right? always done it. They've always, people are, are conditioned to think that that is the acceptable um, hmm. response to a pun. But 
I oh, love you it. Don't you don't think it was visualizing a dead rabbit. No, 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 no. Uh, They're just groaning because it's a pun. Right. You know, it's like it's like ah, you got yeah. me. Or, or more like uh, that. But I don't know why is that the I response rem- to wordplay. I remember uh, uh, a friend of mine was working at some company, and they were. I don't know. They were doing something with puns, and this one guy, uh, it always, it still makes me laugh, and I hate myself that it makes me laugh. Uh, someone made like a pun about the Holocaust or something, and he goes, uh, I don't want to hear any more puns about the Holocaust, and frankly, I believe we should not ever <laughs> joke about that. <laughs> and it's just, I think maybe it's, <laughs> I, I think maybe it's just because, you know, we work so hard to make things sophisticated and complicated. Sometimes the simplest little things just tickle our brains. I was in Australia a few weeks ago, and you know the fires are going on. It's all yeah. anyone's talking about. Yeah. And I did a radio interview, and I had to listen to the radio interview before me, right? Mm. And so the woman said, I've been talking about fires all morning. She said, now we're going to put that aside, and we're going to pull out our crystal balls, and we're going to look at the year to come, 2020. And let's uh, let's look into the future. And what do you think is going to happen with Brexit? And what do you think is going to happen with Donald Trump? And I'm here to answer all your burning questions. Mm. And I don't think that she <laughs> meant to say that. And so I was waiting to go on, and I was going to say, "Well, there's a." <laughs> she, and I don't think she meant it. And I was going to say, "Well, as a flaming homosexual, <laughs> I often get burnt out on these tours." Stop adding fuel to the fire. (laughs) But it was one of those things where they're followed by traffic report and then the weather report. And then by the time you get back to it, it's all forgotten that she said burning question. Oh, shit. Oh, God, that makes me so happy. (laughs) I hate myself that I love it so much. Uh, It really uh, tickled me that in your master class, you said one of your um, big comedy inspirations was Whoopi Goldberg. I saw Whoopi Goldberg's Broadway show on a, uh, we had a videotape of it, Mm. and I bet I watched that thing, Mm. oh, I don't know, I must have watched it 50 times, Mm -hmm. and and what was so great about it was she did these characters, but you would be laughing, Mm -hmm. and then the next second you would be like, like punched in the stomach, and she would just turn on a hair, and Mm -hmm. I... And whenever people, I don't know, I won't put up with any criticism of Whoopi Goldberg. None. None. First time I met her, went on The View, cried. Lost it. I mean, just loved her so much, started crying on air. <laughs> it was wild. She, uh, I said something nice about her in the New York Times. And then this box of cookies showed up. I was in Sussex. It was hard. I don't know how she got my address. And it was shipped like immediately and then she said if you're in New York let's go out for let's go out and have dinner and so I was going to be in New York for a few in a few weeks and we went out to dinner and I'm not good about meeting people but she was so gracious Mm -hmm. that she took all my nervousness away from me Mm. and was just lovely but the waitress was from Romania Mm-hmm. And I said to the waitress at one point, I said, oh, I just speak a little Romanian. I said, but it's filthy. What I know how to say is filthy. <laughs> and she said, say it. And I said, no, that's okay. And she said, say it. And I said, no, it's really bad. And she said, say it. And so I said it. And what it is is I shit in your mother's mouth. <laughs> and then the waitress is like, why would you say that? Why would you say that to somebody? And I said, well, you asked me. And then Whoopi's like, wow, what's going on with her? Because Whoopi was talking to her. 
<laughs> you know, somebody had come up to, you know, yeah. say hello to her. And <laughs> she and all of a sudden I've alienated the uh, the server at this restaurant. But she was that Broadway show that she did mm-hmm. and and it really I'd been writing for about I don't know, I'd been writing for like probably seven years by the time that I saw it. But I was just writing in a diary. And I hadn't written, really written stories yet or essays or anything. And it really had a profound impact on me. Because I I watched it and I thought, that's what I want. I don't want to perform. I don't want to memorize anything. Mm. I'm not an actor. I just want to read out loud. But I want to make people feel like she made me feel. Mm. She also is so incredibly kind uh, last time I did her show, she dragged me into her dressing room and forced me to pick one of her shoes to take. She collects these fantastic shoes. Hmm. She has them made. Uh, I'll show them. I'll show you. I still have them. They're like in a shrine in my closet. And uh, was like, "You're taking these." You know, she just is like the kindest, biggest-hearted person, and also just the most relentlessly authentic. Have you seen on the View that she just farts whenever <laughs> she wants? Will you find? No. Will you pull this up? Oh, she will fart on the view, and they'll air it. I mean, they don't even. She doesn't even care. Which one is this? When Claire Danes is on, watch this. Stories that really talk about our experience post nine eleven, and it's um, our identity was really questioned, and I think it, it explores that in a really smart way. Um, well, you know, you, oh, oh, I was going to say. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I would have never admitted to that. I would have acted like, you know, my chair made a noise. She does it all the time. That is fantastic. She does it all the time. I would, whenever I'm in a bad mood, I watch it, I send it to people. Whenever, like, someone's going through a breakup or a divorce, I just send them that video. It totally makes their day. (laughs) Also, Claire Danes is talking about 9 11. I mean, it's just like, of all the times to fart. <laughs> oh, God, it's my favorite thing on the planet. <laughs> oh, God. But I, I think a lot of people maybe don't know about that show that she did. You know, that maybe Broadway not. show that maybe. she did. And it's what put her on the, on the map, really. Yeah. I mean, I also think people forget she was a movie star. Yeah, I mean, she was a when I was growing up, she was a movie star. I mean, those sister act movies and, I mean, Ghost. I mean, isn't that one of the biggest movies of all time? Yeah, I think so. Gosh, she was so incredible in that. Um, I'm looking at your notebook. I'm sorry, I just have to bring it up. This is a really big deal for me to see your notebook. Are you ever worried you're going to lose it? I've only lost two. Can but you I think finding that note. <sighs> no, I think most people wouldn't. Like I collect grocery lists. You know, I find them outside the grocery store. I love that. But I don't. I, I think I'm the only one who does, you know. I mean, I don't think other people collect them. It's probably if I lost my notebook, nobody would even think about it. I don't know that they'd look in here. Or I don't know that they would, you know, would be able to, um, I'm always you know, so worried because I, my, I am stupid and I send emails to myself as my oh, uh-huh. notes. But, you know, 
I, I also have all these groups, email threads, like, you know, Whitney podcast producers, or and then I'll sometimes write all of these sort of uh, little nuggets of jokes and then send it off. And I'm like, where are those? And I realize I've sent it to like my Ooh. lawyer. And it's like, it's just bullet points that are like herpes, rusty IUD. <laughs> freeze eggs next week it's like my to-do list freeze egg next week that's really good because sometimes people say will you sign my diary and then I always make their to-do list (laughs) you know and it's like get an abortion freeze eggs is really (laughs) freeze eggs is really good or de-thaw eggs or visit (laughs) eggs don't be a deadbeat mom Mm -hmm. um I remember Janine Garofalo was uh, on. I saw her on stage a couple of years ago, and she she was like, "I just lost my journal, so if you see anyone bombing in St. Louis, <laughs> tell them I want my notebook back." <laughs> so <laughs> you only do your sort of entries. You write them out. You don't ever do anything in computer. Mm-hmm. These are just little notes. Use the little notes. And then every morning I write in my diary. Uh-huh. On a and so I pull out, yeah, and I pull out my notebook and I, and I look at my, <clears throat> I usually think like at what moment yesterday did I feel the most alive? Mm. And then I start there and then I go through all my notes and, you know, sometimes it's things in the news or it's, you know, like, um, uh, like Kirk Douglas died the other day, mm-hmm. you know, so I put that in my diary. Yeah. But it was like number seven, the thing in my diary. But uh, but I always, I don't know. Can I ask how it works? You wake up, you make a coffee or a tea, do you look at the news online? Uh, sometimes I read the newspaper in the morning in bed. But then I just get up and I go to my desk and I, you know, I drink coffee and I sit at my desk and I always start by writing in my diary and then I turn to whatever else it is that I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And how is your uh, digital hygiene? Do you have a phone? Do you get on the phone? I don't I have a relationship with the telephone. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I do things on my laptop and I have an iPad. There aren't a bunch of distractions, it seems like. Sure. I mean, like with anybody, you know, I can Google something or look at a website, but I, I don't know. I don't go overboard with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I seem to act like there are 10 websites. Like, I don't... Yeah, me like, too. And yeah. like with YouTube, uh, I'll look at something on YouTube and then I'll forget it exists for like five months. Hmm. I just completely forget that it exists. Yeah. But I don't... I don't know. I don't have a lot of time to do that. What websites do you go to? Uh, you know, like the New York Times or the Washington Post or uh, that, that, what's it called? It's, it's these men Horn, who criticize Hornhub. what people are wearing. Oh, um, uh, Tom Hunters? and Lorenzo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't always agree with them because sometimes they're like, oh, his, his, uh, jacket should be like a quarter of an inch higher and i'm like really that's what you're that and and i don't agree with them a lot but i like to see what people are wearing i suppose there was an uh, a, a a website called the satorialist oh I, I can't believe i literally was about to say that but i was too worried i was going to mispronounce it so but i feel like a lot of times what the people are wearing is their beauty yes and so I don't think that's quite fair well i think that's such a great website because it's kind of just people in the wild that nailed yeah. it 
You know, just like really chic people in different parts of the world. And just when you're like, oh, yeah, you can wear like white pants and a white shirt. Everyone looks so effortless and sexy. But I was surprised. The only time I've ever commented on the computer, mm-hmm. it was this Italian guy. And he was and and he was wearing a sweater, like a green sweater. And he was wearing a pair of culottes from Come to Garcon. And he was wearing a, a collar that Come to Garcon made that you... It was like a patent leather collar, like a, a baby doll collar that he mm. had around his neck. And and all these people, because usually they're really friendly on that website, yeah. and they were all ragging on him. And what's that thing he's got around his neck? And I wrote, I wrote, and I used my actual name because I didn't know, and I didn't have anything to be ashamed of. And I said, oh, that's a detachable collar by coming to go And I, I couldn't believe that nobody knew what it was. And then I thought, <laughs> maybe you people don't know as much as I always thought you did. But now I think it's just an uh, Instagram thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's too bad. Do you go on Instagram? Yeah, every now and then. And then I forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget that it exists. Does it? There's a guy named William Cult. Mm-hmm. C-U-L-T? Yeah. Huh. And he's British. And he... T- and he posts things that really, they can be funny and they're disturbing, but they really make you think. I like him a lot. That's nice. But you don't have your own page on there. Like you I do, but I've never looked at it. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think, I don't have anything to do with it. I love that what you say about um, your diary is to always keep a diary in case you need to um, go back and check people. Basically, so you can win arguments. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good for that. <laughs> Is that such a nightmare for you? <laughs> well, for Hugh, because he doesn't... It was interesting, because I pointed out lately... I mean, we, we had a discuss, uh, an, well, an argument a while ago, and I was able to go back in my diary and see that he had been on this kind of jag for like a good two months. You know, it wasn't just... <laughs> you got the receipts! Yeah, but to look back and see, because he only writes in his diary when he's depressed, mm. and then he'll say, I haven't been happy for a long time. Mm. And it's like, because you only write when you're miserable, and that's what you're looking Ooh. at, you know? I also love, um, you said somewhere that you never bicker in public. I try not to. Ooh, that's such a good, like, relationship life hack. Well, we may, I mean, we're not always perfect for that, but there have been a couple of times that we've really... I mean, they're worse people, but yeah. that just makes everybody really uncomfortable. And uh-huh. So sometimes you just need to eat it, and then you just wait till the company leaves. Right. And then you can have it out, but never in front of people. Do you get sick of asking um, or hearing people ask you why you haven't gotten married? No. I don't know. You know what? I think... Uh, I think... The thing is that I met so many gay people who would say, and this is my husband, Bradley, and I thought, <laughs> and I always thought, I don't want to be that. I don't want to sound like that. So, <laughs> so I didn't get married. <laughs> uh, I, um, I really, uh, it really resonated with me in, um, in your master class. Uh, it sounds like they're paying me. They're not. I truly watched it and, and loved it and literally took notes. Um, when you said that people would come up to you and say, like, wow, you really hate your family. Yeah. I get that, too, when you're like, no, I, I you know, it's just, it, that was such a fascinating thing just about navigating how to write about your family in there. But I think so many people, I mean, it's interesting to hear people on the phone, and you don't hear them on the phone the way you used to, mm-hmm. because now people text and everything. Right. 
But on the phone, everyone would say, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you know, they'd be on the plane before you take off, and they're calling everyone and telling, saying, I love you in case the plane crashes, I guess. And But that's the way they think, that if you yeah. don't say, I love mm-hmm. so-and-so, then you don't love them. Mm-hmm. But I, I read somewhere, it was the other day, it was something in the newspaper. It was an op-ed in the New York Times, and I don't remember who it was by. But it was this woman was talking about, oh, I love you, I love you. And the guy said, look, I said it to you 30 years ago when we got married, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> well, further notice, I love you. Yeah. This goes without saying. Which, I mean, to me, it's completely the opposite. I usually say I love you when I've done something super shitty to try to fix it. I'm like, you know, I love you, right? Like, can we erase every all the shitty behavior I just did? Gosh, I can't remember the last time... I told anybody that I love them. I really can't. I don't... Because you just show it instead of... Yeah, I feel like it. I don't don't feel like I have to. You know, you can say it in other ways. Mm -hmm. Gifts, you know. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, I'll write it. You know, the writer George Saunders, Mm -hmm. I really have so much respect for him. And he's such a great writer. And... We were emailing each other about a project, and he wrote back, love. And I thought, wow, that's really great for a man to write to another man, love. And I thought, I'm going to start doing that, too. So I do it all the time. Like, to, you know, if you're sending back an email to somebody to say love at the end of it. Mm. And so, okay, I'll say I love you that way, Mm. you know, at the the end of an email. But I'm not going to say, like, I love you. You and Hugh don't say I love you? Mm. No, uh, sometimes I'll say, do you love me? (laughs) (laughs) But it's more of a jokey thing, you know? (laughs) That's such a trap of a question. There's no way you can answer that without getting in trouble. Of course I do. More often is, do you remember when you loved me? (laughs) I say that a lot. How long has it been? 30 years. What's your biggest piece of relationship advice? Never... Say I love you. Talk about your relationship. Ooh, that's that no way. No wonder I'm single again. That way lies madness. Wow. You never talk about your relationship wow. either privately or to a therapist. Mm. Never do it. Wow. Yeah. Incredible advice. Don't gossip about your partner. Basically, I remember. Oh no, no, you can advice. gossip about. No, you can oh. talk about it to other people. Yeah, oh. you just don't talk about it to that person. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wait, you mean never talk about your relationship with the person you're in the relationship with? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you meant to other people. No, you tell other people everything. (laughs) And I've said that to Hugh. I said, I want you to talk shit about me to Manuela and to your other friends. You need that. You know, you need that. And you can say whatever you want about me. But you and I are never going to talk about this. Really? Because it's just masturbatory or nothing ever... It just... It's... It's the beginning of the end. Mm, it is basically don't go to the problem for the solution. Yeah. Don't... And then... I mean, we'll joke about it. And I'll say, can we go to lunch, just the two of us? I want to talk about our relationship. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. That's so wild. When did you discover that? Uh, with, my, my, with my last boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. And I realized... Because you're never going to... I'm sorry, but I don't... 
I don't know that you're ever going to change somebody or you're ever going to necessarily fix something. If somebody's terrible and they make you feel awful all the time, you should probably leave. But I'm just so grateful, you know, I will put up with anything. I mean, pretty much because I just don't want to be single and I don't want to have to look for somebody else and I don't want to have to break somebody else in and <laughs> catch them up on everything. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I say to Hugh, like somebody's got to stay together. Why not us? <laughs> I mean, that's a good enough reason to stay together because someone's got to do it. It's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> it's just so incredible. Um, I, uh, it blew my mind, although I'm so, you know, I know this is going to give people so much hope, but that you said in the in your class that you wrote every day for 15 years before your first book got published. Mm-hmm. That is just so wild. Really? It seemed perfectly normal to me. Hmm. I mean, that seemed what you would do. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you start writing and you stink and you think, well, of course I stink. I've only been doing it for three days. Hmm. And then I've only been doing it for three years. Yeah. And I've only been doing it for 13 years. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, I didn't put a timer on myself. Did you put a timer on yourself for your career? Hollywood probably did, but I don't know if I did. I had a really lucky thing happen where um, I just, in a fortuitous turn, I happened to be somewhere with... um, uh, um, It's kind of a weird story. Um, uh, I happened to be backstage with a very famous comedian who said to me, you can never make it too late. Hmm. Just said it to me at the exact time I needed to hear it. Uh-huh. And it was just like, don't rush this. This is the one thing that, you know, you, you're just going to get better every day. And that was really helpful. You know, I think uh-huh. I just need, I think I needed to hear that. And as a comedian, uh, you can never make it too late opposed to being like a actress or something. You have to make it really young. So I then got really sort of uh, paranoid about making it too early and not being cooked enough because someone else said to me, uh, you can never take back the first time people see you and the first impression you make on them. Does that make any sense? Yeah. You know, I always think that like, um, you know, I'm going on this tour right in the spring. And so I have three new stories so far. And you can only read something first one time. Right. So when you go out on stage, do you think, is this the audience? Because if you read it on stage and nobody responds, me, I'm going to say this sucks. I'm never going to read this again. Right. Mm. Um, So you have to be careful. Um, You have to be careful where you try something. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that is... I'm always puzzled by that, especially because, like you said, if if you're like a model, right, and you say, well, you know, I'm 75, you know, maybe it's time to hang up that dream, you know, but <laughs> if you're a writer. <laughs> There's Viagra commercials. There's plenty of things yeah. for older models to do these days. But if you're a writer, um, then you, you know what I'm surprised by? Mm-hmm. And, and this is just something I've noticed, and it, it's so interesting to me. People who, okay, people probably told you at a young age, they said, you're funny. Okay, did they not? I, the only problem with me is I wasn't trying to be funny. I was trying to be serious. Oh, uh-huh. And then I ended up being funny. So that, it wasn't mm. exactly what I was fishing for, but it, 
it eventually got to me, yeah. Because I just seem to know some people lately, and and they've decided, like, in late middle age, I'm going to go do improv. I'm going to start doing stand-up. Yeah. But it's like no one ever told them they were funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that would be like if you just decided, I'm going to become a model. And no one ever said to you, are you a model? Or you should be a model. I just think it's something people would have said to you. Yes, yes. You have to have some kind of encouragement or it has to peak your... Yeah. And I also kind of got weirdly lucky because my... And I don't know why this is the case. I think it was just this was back when Blockbuster was big and uh-huh. you would get like a Blockbuster movie and we never were. There was a couple Blockbuster movies we just never returned because uh, we couldn't afford to pay the fee or whatever. And we'd watch the same ones over and over again. And one of my heroes was Roddy Dangerfield. And I just loved him. And he was one of the only comedians I had a lot of exposure to as a kid. But I remember hearing somewhere that he made it when he was like 55 or something. And that just always stuck with me, you know. It's it's nice how things like that can give you hope. I mean, can give so many people hope. The fact that somebody, you know, made it later on in life. Then you can think, okay, I'm not... Because I just meet a lot of people at readings, and I'm like, calm down, you know? Calm down, you're 24. Yeah. No one gets a book published when they're 24. You know, you're you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Yep. You're just working and failing and learning mm-hmm. from it and trying something else don't leave the rest of it up to other people yeah and just go get interesting (laughs) i think is what you know i remember gary shandling saying to me just like you're only going to get more interesting you know and that your material as a comedian at that age is kind of going to be like your style or your haircut at that age you're going to look back and be like oh god what was i thinking which i kind of loved i just needed to hear that i think well i what my fear always in writing is to look like I'm trying. And so when I look back on early stuff, mm. I just see somebody who's trying too hard, mm. you know. Um, and that kind of changed when I started reading out loud a lot because then you prove you can get a laugh. And then you say, okay, now what would be like to not get the laugh? Mm-hmm. Which and is then, so fascinating. And you said, was it your dad that said don't force it? He says, don't force it, like, don't force it, like, don't try to force that cup into the dishwasher, don't try to <laughs> force, uh, so he meant it like that, he didn't meant, like, don't oh, right, try right. to force a joke. <laughs> well, I just, I think in, in performing, you know, stand-up especially, the harder you try, the less power you have. As soon huh. as they start to sniff out any desperation, they recoil, and they know that they have the power, it's some, like, human nature thing. See, I can't imagine doing stand-up i can't imagine having what it takes to do that no because i like to read out loud and that paper makes all the difference in the world that Mm. piece of paper yeah no one has ever heckled me because i have a piece of paper in my hand huh and i have a tie on and i'm standing at a podium and and no people just respect you they just don't respect me (laughs) no i i know i think it makes all the difference there's a reverence, I think, for you. No, I, I don't know. Like, when I first... Uh, no, I don't think that. I don't think it's that. I think it's just a piece of paper. I think it's yeah. simply a piece of paper. But there also could be some training of hearing you on NPR for so long. You know, no one was allowed to yell back at you. Like, when hmm. I hear you, I get really quiet. Huh. I'm like, you know, I listen to you before you could even rewind. It was like, if you shut up, everyone shut up. He's talking. <laughs> you know, if you interrupt, you're huh. going to miss it. So I think there's a little bit of a Pavlovian reaction when I hear you talk. 
Even now, I'm like so afraid to interrupt you. <laughs> huh. Have you ever wanted to try stand-up? No. Uh, the closest I get is when I go out on tour, mm-hmm. there's a question and answer. At the end. At the end. And sometimes people are slow to answer, to offer questions. And so I start doing shtick. I just, you know, I'll talk about something that happened uh, earlier in the tour. Mm -hmm. And then, you know how that is. And you tell the story and then you think, gosh, it works even better when I add this to it. Mm. And then, so over the course of the tour, I'll develop a couple minutes worth of... And it's never anything I would write. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it does. It's not writing it down would make it a whole different thing, and it's not necessarily even worthy of being written down. But I'm always a little bit embarrassed because I think if someone had come to the show the night before, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, that's what he said." I mean, that would be hard. I think as a comedian. If somebody films your act and people see it and then they see you, it's like, oh, I've heard that joke already. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is really the great uh, nightmare, (laughs) I think, for for comedians that, you know, someone sees the same thing twice. Um, But at the same time, it is, you know, is part of it. You know, I think it's not like music where people want to hear the hits. You know, people want to hear the thing they've never heard or be surprised, which is why now we kind of have to do those bags. You know, when you go uh-huh. to a stand-up show, now you have to put your cell phone in a bag so people don't record and put it on the internet, you know, because we have to try so hard to keep it a surprise. But if, I, and if I'm if i on a tour and I meet somebody, let's say I'm in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, and they say, I'm coming to see you again next week, in St. Louis, I'll make a note of it, and so I don't repeat myself. Really? Because, and I wound up doing the entire show mm. from one person for one person in the audience mm. because I don't want to repeat myself to that person. Oof, that is so wild. Um, uh, bonjour, fresh. Bonjour. That sounds good. Bonjour, fresh. Anyway, mouthwatering seasonal <laughs> recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your dough with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh makes cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. And you know this. Get out of that rut. With HelloFresh, is 22 uh, season and plus. There's more than 22, but there's 22 plus. I thought that was a bra size. I got confused. Um, something for everyone. What You do HelloFresh. I do. I, I'm doing the calorie counter one right now. How's it going? It's very fun. I've had butternut squash. Ooh. I've had some chicken. Everything's been great. Very easy. Very, very easy. It's already pre-portioned, so there's no like prep, and you just throw it all together, and all of a sudden, you're a chef out of nowhere. Everyone I know does this. Yeah. I mean, it's really super simple. They give us. I thought you were going to say more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, you, you love this company that was so. A statement. You're always telling me about your goddamn HelloFresh meals, they and now me. you have nothing to say. All of a sudden, they, now you're quiet. He's me. always talking about these freaking HelloFresh meals, and now, now all of a sudden, you, you made a Helen statement. Keller over here. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 10good and use the code 10good for 10 free meals, including free shipping. We're very confused by this code, but we love this company. HelloFresh.com slash 10good. Use the code 10good for 10 free meals that are good. It includes free shipping. (laughs) Who picks the code? You know what really bothers me? When I see someone's dog, and I'm like, what kind of dog is that? And they're like, I don't know. It's a mix. I'm like, bitch. A mutt. I want to know exactly what kind of dog it is. 
Yeah, what if you want one? Get the, I tell them, get. there's an intest called Embark, and you sw- send a swab of spit so I don't have to keep wondering what kind of dog you have. Really bothers me. Yeah, it's funny you bring them up. They're a sponsor. <laughs> what? <Yeah>. No. <laughs> Whether you have a new pup or an old friend, an Embark breed and health test is the key to unlocking your dog's unique breed mix and genetically informed health needs. I'm just going to say this in my own words. I don't really need to read it. You have to get genetic testing for your freaking dog. That way you can find out what they're predisposed for. Skin problems, stomach problems, joint problems. What are you doing? Yeah, and it's, you want to know about their history. Where they, what, what kind of yeah, breed Yeah, you want to know they? what they're bred for. You want to know why they keep, you know, trying to eat your panties. Maybe it's a certain, it's a breed thing. Who knows? Figure out your dog's breed. You improve their quality of life because you know what they're predisposed for. You can tell your vet, oh, this dog is, you know, half, you know, staffy, half German Shepherd, half... Pomeranian. Cat. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then they can go, oh, great. Your dog's predisposed to this. This saves you money in the long run. And your dog's going to live longer if you know the crap that they need. Uh, I wish I knew right away what Frank was. I wish I had known he was a Great Dane. Yeah. Then I would have known. He's I, outgrown the living space. I know that I have a donkey. <laughs> growing in my garage <laughs> right now embark has an exclusive offer you can't get anywhere else go to embarkvet.com now use the promo code cummings to save 15 percent off your dog dna test kit visit embarkvet.com and use promo code cummings to save um i have a couple uh, questions that were sent in from the old internet oh really i have one question that's from justin thoreau oh yeah do you know Justin? Yes, I do. His question is... He is so funny. He guy. is so funny and it makes me angry. And I really love how, too, how he can do any accent. He's a friend of my sister's. Yes. And how he can just do any act. He's the life of the party. That Always. Yeah. So funny, so quick. It makes me jealous and kind of angry sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem fair that he can That's right. act, like mm-hmm. really act. And he can be that person as well. And he's like a dog person, and he's it's 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 very frustrating. But he has a question for you, which is: I would like to know why you don't invite me on trips to Tokyo. Oh gosh, shopping trips? On yeah. Tokyo? Oh, I, we would love to have him. <laughs> we see. We couldn't go. Amy couldn't. <laughs> Amy couldn't come with us this last January. We call it Japanuary. Yeah. <laughs> and so we go every Japanuary. Because she was filming her show. Yeah. But we rent a house, mm-hmm. a whole house. So, gosh, I'd love to have in Justin Tokyo? along sometime. Yeah. He's, because he, y- you need a guide when you go to Tokyo for the first time. Mm-hmm. And if, like, I know people who have said, oh, can I go to Tokyo with you? And it's like, what are you interested in buying? And they say, no, I just want to see Temple. Don't come with me. <laughs> because you've done that. Hugh, like, I don't know, probably... T- I don't know, 14 years ago, I said to him, this is the last temple I'm ever going to. Hmm. And I've never been to another one. I, all I care about is shopping. Yep. Yeah. What's and Justin, uh, he was, he's a great dresser. Unbelievable. I'd love taking him around Unbelievable. to shops. And what is your number one item you'll go for? Clothes? Uh, yeah, clothes and pottery. I don't know what's going on with me. I really don't. I, I don't, <laughs> like clothing-wise... Okay, I bought a jacket a couple of days ago, and it and it's a black wool, but not heavy wool, yeah. right? Like maybe it just looks like material to me, mm-hmm. and and it and it's like a jacket, a sport coat, 
But then from under it come layers of ruffles, like just layers Ooh. and layers. And, and, and it, you can't get blacker than black, but this seems to be something that somebody in Gone with the Wind would wear when they're in deep, deep mourning. <laughs> and I, and I don't know that it's for me. Do you know what I mean? Why not? But I can't not buy it. Buy it, and it must weigh fifteen pounds. Love it. And so it's too heavy to travel with. But I was with Amy, and I said I can wear it to Dad's funeral. And she said that's like <laughs> that's like the tenth jacket you've worn to wear to wear to Dad's funeral. You bought to wear to your Dad's funeral. You yeah. can have changes. You can have. To- you can go full Oscar host. I'm going to have so many costume minutes. changes at my dad's funeral. <laughs> so you ship stuff back. You go to Tokyo and ship stuff home. Uh, well, we shipped things one time and things didn't come. So now I just try to carry it. But this time I went to Tokyo and then I went to Hong Kong. Ooh. And then I went to Australia for a tour. Right. So I ship things home from Australia. Hmm. It must be impossible to buy a gift for you. No, I don't think so. But, you know, one thing that's nice about, like, Hugh and I are back, and we got a place in New York, and I wouldn't say we've moved back to New York. We just have a place there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you walk around, and it's empty storefront, empty storefront, empty storefront. Mm-hmm. In Tokyo, I've never seen an empty storefront. And you can go anywhere to the far edge of town and get off at the subway, and there are these towers in the subway station, and they're, they're towers, and they're stores in the towers right oh, like wow. like a boutique for this a boutique for this person and and it's packed yeah and you go there on a weekday and and you think how are so many people in this building and that's just one at the f- far edge of town and it's like that all over and it's really really beautiful to see people i don't know they don't buy things online yeah and they their apartments are small and so they get rid of stuff and they buy new stuff and they're just constantly buying stuff and I'm all for it. It's so hard for me to get out of my head and it's so hard for me to when I'm, you know, which I related so much in your in your class because I'm just always, when I'm talking to someone, I'm always like, how is this a joke? How is this something? How is, is this a scene? Is this mm-hmm. a tweet? Even with Twitter now, I'm like, should I tweet about this? Should I post this? It's so hard for me to be present. And the last time I felt like I was truly in awe and completely present was in Tokyo at the Robot Restaurant. This might huh. be too lowbrow for you. Have you ever been? No. Can you pull up the Robot Restaurant? It is a show in Tokyo. It, I mean, even watching the videos on YouTube is fun. And it is all of these like giant, sparkly dinosaurs and pandas and lights. I mean, it is the most wild experience I have ever had in person. You go inside huh. and, I mean, everything's mirrored and the lights are crazy, but... Fast forward to the show. I want to see the robot restaurant show. All these robots start fighting each other. It's so cool. This goes on for like two and a half hours. Wow. It's the wildest thing I've truly ever seen in person. It's the only thing that's ever made me want to put my phone down and be present. It's always so interesting to me that... You know, when you live in the United States and you hear, this is the greatest city on earth, it's like, you need to get out more often. You know, like, there's a lot of competition for greatest city on earth out there. Right. You know, right. I was in Sweden recently, and Swedes, 
not everyone is like this in the world, but Swedes are raised to believe that they live in the best country on earth yeah. and that they have the best health care and they have the best this mm-hmm. and that. And it's interesting to go to another country and realize that they're told the same That's so true. thing that you're told. But I think so many people, and it's just, you know, and I understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's expensive to travel, but they really need to get out a little bit more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what is your favorite city to visit? Uh, uh, Tokyo. Yeah. Second favorite? Uh, I like, uh, well, I like all of Germany. Mm. Um, I take pretty much, you can go to Mannheim, Germany, mm. uh, and still spend $400 on postcards. Oh, wow. Germany is is the the world capital of really good postcards. Really? And when I say good postcards, I mean joke postcards, like cartoons on a postcard, and oh. it's all in German, so I don't understand it. Um, but it doesn't matter you know like I there's this one that I got and it's all these nudists eating hot dogs in an outdoor cookout and I don't know I don't know what it's about but the drawing is fantastic and I and there sometimes you go like if you go to the Art Institute of Chicago to buy a postcard Uh it's like they're printing them on receipt paper now you know they're so they're, they're not good to send right 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 but they're a good thickness and I'm always happy mm. to buy a postcard mm. because I, I send so many and I, I go through them a lot. Postcards were like the first meme, you know, it was the first like joke in a square, I feel like, that we had. You know, now they do an Instagram, you have like a little meme that's like a little joke. That's really what a postcard was. Well, like even New Yorker, like if New Yorker postcard, New Yorker cartoons were postcards, if I were, especially if I were not American, I'd buy those by the thousands. Yeah. Because they're pretty, and you don't understand what they mean. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I look for in a man, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Another question I got for you. Are you religious, and do you pray? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, I'm not, and even, I am not spiritual. You're not spiritual? I'm not spiritual. You sure? And when people, yeah. No, I'm not any of that. Even when, see, even when shit hits the fan, are you a person, if something goes wrong, you start going, hey, God, just checking in. Uh, I went to a doctor a year ago, and he said, you have cancer. And I did not say anything to God. Interesting. I don't have cancer, and that maybe that made it easier. <laughs> If it had been an accurate diagnosis, yeah. I think maybe. I mean, I felt, you know, I did feel kind of sorry for myself. God was but, like, never mind. He's not going to check in. Well, all I ever asked is that my cancer be above the waist. That's all I ever asked. <laughs> right? Because I don't want people imagining. Right. Like, wouldn't it be awful to have rectal cancer? And then you're embarrassed to tell people what kind of cancer you have. And it's That's so, right. As if to add insult to injury. Yeah. You now have to think about my cancerous rectum. Yeah. yeah. Because then people are going to imagine what kind of plumbing thing is going on. And <laughs> and then it's so unfair that you have cancer and then you don't get any of the benefits. No, none. No one feels sorry for you. They're just grossed out by you. So this was bladder cancer, right? And so I thought I'd make myself a new one out of one of those goatskin sacks, you know, that people drink out of when they go to 
Greece, you know, when they're a teenager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why you can't <laughs> make a bladder out of a goatskin sack. I'm sure. That, I mean, but it turns out I'm I'm okay. And he was the doctor was just wrong. He was just wrong. But That's what's crazy wild. is he led with that. Wild. I said I have a urinary tract infection, and there's blood in my urine. He said, "Well, you probably have cancer." Jesus. You have bladder cancer. Is this in England? Yeah. You have bladder cancer or you have prostate cancer. And then and then come back in like three days and we'll run some tests. And then I'm back on the street and everyone's waiting for that day. And I thought, wow, I didn't know today was going to be that day. But it wasn't. <laughs> what were those? He had red hair. <laughs> I'm never going to go see a redheaded doctor again. Actually, I have so much compassion for redheads because when I went and froze my eggs, I started looking at sperm donors and I got really into these sperm donor sites and I found out that maybe it's just certain companies, but these sperm banks don't accept sperm from redheads. (laughs) And it broke my heart. It just broke my heart in half. Oh, that's not fair. Isn't that horrific? I mean, I would label it. You know, I'd label it. Viking, Scotch Irish. <laughs> no sperm from redhead. Isn't that Gosh. heartbreaking? They'd like don't even bother. <laughs> Isn't that awful? That really upset me. That really is. Can you imagine going to try to donate sperm to you know try and help a woman? Well, plus, you know, I think maybe people are. If you put Prince Harry on the label, <laughs> he's I mean? a prince. That's different. It undoes the redhead. Yeah, but he's yes. a good-looking guy. Yes. You know, yes. he's a really good-looking redhead. Strapping. Yeah. Yes. So maybe people are thinking other redheads. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're just not enough yeah. positive re- uh, representation. That's for true. It's like a, a royal redheads is a different kind of DNA. I would say. <laughs> Isn't that sad? That really upset me. That made me want to just go. You know, buy some redhead sperm just to make someone feel better. Someone really wants to know how you quit smoking. I told myself that I was allotted a certain number of cigarettes at birth and that I went through them all. Huh. And if I'd smoked more slowly, I would still be smoking. But I insisted on smoking two packs a day. So I went through them all and that's it. I can't. And I did the same with alcohol. Wow. Like there are rooms full of alcohol, you know, like beakers that would be like the, the size of this room. And there were like five allotted to me. Mm. And I emptied all five. And it's like, sorry, you finish it all. And it really helped. That's incredible. Most people who quit smoking quit like many times before. Mm-hmm. And so they have a history of failure. Right. But I'd never tried to quit. So I had no history of failure. So... I think that made it easier as well. Hmm. That's really intense. Uh, Someone really wants to know, when you were a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, was it scary? No, everybody who worked on that show was lovely. Every Every single person on that show was lovely. And they made you feel so welcome. And... I didn't want to say anything bad about anybody because this is their dream, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And they don't know who I That's am. Right. And so who am I to get up there and shit on their dream? But they didn't make me say anything bad. Mm. You know, I just said good things about the people I liked. And and they were all fine with that. Mm. And <clears throat> it was, 
uh, you know, I was a big fan of the show, so I'd seen every episode, not just once. I'd mm-hmm. seen every, every episode many times. And, yeah, everybody. And then I ran into RuPaul a couple months ago in London. And it was at a freeze art fair. And I had tickets to go to one part of it. And there are two parts of it. And I didn't want to bother him, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect he would remember me. So I was just with a friend, and I was just quietly. And he said, David Sedaris, where do you think you're going? <laughs> and it was so nice. And I said, well, I'm going to this one. I don't have tickets for this. And he said, well, come with us. You know, we have, we'll get you in. And he had, like, some super VIP. And you know how that is. You're thinking, okay, when we get in there, what's going to happen? Do yeah. I? <clears throat> and we got in, and he said, okay, kids, you're on your own. And I thought, that is the perfect way mm-hmm. to handle that. Yeah. He really has, he's really just, you know, a, a really lovely person. And I I always just think it's so great when someone is completely themselves mm-hmm. and and the world says, great, we, we really, especially when... You wouldn't have expected it. Like in your youth, you wouldn't have expected that someone like him, who's being completely himself, the world would fall for. And I can see how that really gives hope to so many people, not necessarily drag queens, but just, you know, anybody who, who, you know how you can always spot a phony, you know, like, and, and. And it's like you spot it in writing, too, mm-hmm. when somebody's, like, taking a political position that you think, that's not really your political yeah, expression. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're just trying to please me, or you're just trying to... Like you can always, yeah. always tell when somebody's not being honest that way. Um, and I never spotted a moment of that in RuPaul. And there's also something about seeing RuPaul in the world. It's like seeing a giraffe. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there's times that I've seen him walking into something and there's, it's just, it's like he's in his own, he floats down the street. <laughs> I remember one time I saw him walking uh, into a dinner party with, uh, he was in all white and a bright ruby red bag. And it just was like, you're just such on a, such a different level. <laughs> Everyone else. It's like this divine floating deity into a party, you know? It's very intimidating to just run into RuPaul. Well, like I said, I didn't expect him to remember me, and so I didn't want to, I don't know, I didn't want to hold him up or anything, and that was so kind of him. You know, you know another person who's kind, and I just always, I think about this all the time. <clears throat> I'm not comfortable on TV. and I'm, Really? I feel like you're always so good on talk shows. No, <clears throat> it's not, it doesn't come natural to me, mm. but I did Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. And Reese Witherspoon was on. She was the main guest. And I always take my friend Andy's daughters on TV when I go. I've known them since they were born. And I always bring them with me. And at the time, the girls were like 12 and 13 years old. And Reese Witherspoon came to my dressing room with a bowl of nuts. We all had a bowl of nuts in our room. But she acted like these were a present for me. (laughs) And And then she saw the girls and she said, girls... Do you think we could get a picture together? And the girls never would have asked. Oh, and that was such a classy thing so to do. Sweet. Yeah, I always think of that. She didn't have to do that. She didn't have to, and she didn't wait for that. They again, they would not have asked, and it was just such a classy thing to do. That is such a cool thing to just get ahead of it because they would never. Yeah, 
Oh, that is just so cool. I even try to now take someone's phone because I think sometimes you see someone all of a sudden when they come to take a picture, they don't know how to use their phone all of a sudden. I, I just grab it. And just take it so that I know it's going to be good. Huh. Light, lighting's going to be good. And, you know, how do you um, react when people want to take photos of you in public? I don't like having my picture taken. And it bothers me when people take your picture like you're a statue. Mm. You know, like they don't ask you or anything. Mm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that kind of bothers me. It just seems really rude to me. Right. So if somebody comes up and says, can we get a picture? I say, oh, I'll draw our picture. And I'll pull out my notebook and I'll say, I draw a picture of us together. And I'm happy to talk to people, but I guess I just don't understand what the picture means. Yeah. You know, it's like proof that they saw you. They want proof. Yeah. But it's just so interesting. Someone was like, do you think someone's going to think you're lying? Right. If. <laughs> If you say you saw me, like, right. why do you need the proof? Are you a, just a liar normally? Well, like I had heard that Kevin Hart, when he went on his book tour, he took pictures with people. But uh-huh. he, he just stock signed books. Right. And then took pictures with people. And I guess that's what people wanted. Then they could get a picture of themselves with Kevin Hart and put it on their Instagram account. But I don't know. I'd rather talk to people and I'd rather I'd rather do it that way, you know. Very famous comedian, I know, uh, used to say, you know, I won't take a picture with you, but I will talk to you for five minutes. And not one person ever took him up on it. <laughs> really? Yeah, they just wanted the photo. Wow, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Sometimes people get really mad when you don't want your picture taken. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I don't... I, you know, it's like when somebody comes up to get a book signed and they say, I want you to write, keep laughing. And I say, you know what? I would oy, never write that oy, oy. in the book because it makes it sound like I think I'm funny. Yeah. And I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that. That's so. A lot of people ask me, like, can you flick off the camera? I'm like, no. Why are you making me look like an asshole? Now, I look, why are you making me a jerk in this photo? Well, I'm sorry, but also you're the professional. Yeah, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, you're the funny person in the relationship. They came and paid to see you. Right. So, you know, and so, okay, let's say you say to me, will you write, keep laughing? Okay. And I'll say, no, I won't. But I'm like, I'm happy to draw a picture. And I'm going to say, you know what? Actually, I'm going to draw. You have a sister, don't you? And they say, yeah, I have a sister. And I say, I'm just going to draw a picture of your sister. <laughs> put that in the book. <laughs> but I mean, I mean it in a really good way. <laughs> I don't think my sister doesn't shave her legs at all. That is the most horrifying part of all this. Has <laughs> very perky tits though, and great nipples. I mean, I love and cankles. The cankles are a little rough. <laughs> are she wearing cowboy boots? Can you believe I went to art school? <laughs> Yes, I can. This is so like, like genius. Oh no, she had a knee injury. She had a bad knee injury. She has a, that's a sports injury. Yeah, that's yeah. a torn ACL. Right they didn't there. heal heal correctly. <laughs> oh, but she had some vaginal rejuvenation, I think. And then what are these? Are they just floating nipples? Just no, that was just. I was. I don't know. Just that's just nothing. Randoms. We were talking earlier, and I just. Can I keep this? Of course. Last couple of questions I know. Do you have to leave tonight? No. No, I'm, I'm here to do... Uh, I'm going on television tomorrow. Ooh, what show? Uh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, nice. I'm Jimmy uh, Kimmel. 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 Jimmy yeah. Kimmel. Kimmel. Who's a lovely person. He's the best. Love him. Uh, 
And then I I, 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 I show got canceled because of weather in, in Northern California, so I have to go make that up. And then I'm just mm-hmm. going to do a show in Vancouver and then go back. Mm-hmm. To, then I'm going to uh, Argentina. Ooh, nice. For a vacation. Oh, are you good at vacationing? Like good at taking the time? I mean, I work every day yeah. on vacation. But I'm going with a, a, a really old friend of mine. So, How many days? Uh, we're going to go for a week, but we're going to go to Argentina. Now, this is a hard thing, okay? C-H-I-L-E. Chile. Right. Chile? But then you sound like an asshole when you say Chile. 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 Ch- it's not chili. Right. You're an asshole if you say you're trash if you say that. And if you say Chile, you're right. patronizing. Right. So I'm going to Argentina. <laughs> y Chile también. Y Uruguay. This place. <laughs> wow, that's sexy. Uh, Always go sexy. When in doubt, just be sexual. And then I took Spanish in high school, and I'm boning up on my Spanish. Ooh, now. excuse me, excuse me, sir. In this climate, you're going to talk to me like that. I'm, I'm, and I remember a lot of words, but so I'm trying to refresh myself mm. on my verb agreement and things like that. But you know, that's been that's a really great conversational starter too. Like this morning. Uh, there was a fellow in my restaurant, and I said, "I said, uh, do you speak Spanish?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "How do I say uh, I'm looking?" Because I remembered I'm looking for my friend. And is this how I say it? And he said, "No, you say it like this." And but it's great, yeah, because it's it's a really everyone's happy to do that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's happy to impart their knowledge mm-hmm. i think yeah no i think so too and um are you listening to tapes or some kind of yeah refresher type yeah. thing which one pimsler oh. but it's interesting because i've used pimsler whenever i go anywhere like so i went to sweden uh-huh. and i studied for swedish for a month before really? I went. and romania and I studied romania and, you know it's just for a month but hmm. in romania our driver dropped us off at our hotel and said it's a on the pedestrian street it's just up the next block well it was actually a mile away but my pimsler let me said do you know where the so-and-so hotel and when they said go straight and turn left i knew what they were saying because i right, right. and so i used it for i used it for japanese and for polish and for uh wow uh, german and is german the hardest to learn mm, if you're american I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you speak other languages, yeah. then you kind of get an idea. Like, if you don't speak another language, you're like, wait a minute, that noun has a gender? You know, but yeah. if you speak other languages, you're, you are you know you've already got that part down. But well, what does that have anything to do with? You asked if... That you're oh, Argentine. Timsler. Yes. Right. But I've noticed, like, with... Because I've used it for so many languages, and usually it follows the same pattern. Mm. But the Spanish is like, I'm sick. My mother and I are sick. My entire family is sick. Those are always the things. Do you know they a doctor? Do you know a good doctor? And think, they took your master class. They're asking good questions. But they're just. But the other languages, no one says. I never learned I'm sick in Swedish because they have great health care. Well, I guess. Like you'll never have to ask this. But questions. you're just expected to get to drink contaminated water. <laughs> In a country that where you speak Spanish. Yeah, they're basically like Montezuma's Revenge. Yeah. How do I deal with the fact that I can't stop shitting is like the first question they teach you. Yeah, it was just really interesting kind of to me. <laughs> well, it it really is interesting because I... Yeah. But the German one 
was meaner than others. Really? And, and, it's, <laughs> and it's like, uh, like you, I, I learned to say, I don't understand you. Why? <laughs> I don't understand you. And then you, you say, why? Because you don't speak German. Like, they don't, none of the other languages are that like confrontational. That. Yeah. yeah. But the German was like, you're arguing with a waiter, and it's like, that's not right. You still owe me, like, 15 euros. And, but they didn't, you know, in Japanese, you never argue no, with a waiter. No, no. You know? That's so funny. But also, the Spanish, I think, was done recently, because it's the only one that has taught me the word email. The other ones are like, do you have a telephone book? Oh, wow. And you really need to update Do you have a fax machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's wild. That is so telling. But in a country like, uh, you know, if you go to Romania, like I was in Serbia recently. Wow. And I said, who are your immigrants? And they're like, nobody. And I'm like... <laughs> nobody comes here? <laughs> no, Syrians... You know, Syrian refugees, like a Syrian refugee wound up in Bucharest, and then he thought he was had made it to Austria. And they said, no, you're in Romania. And he cried, and he put his shoes back on, oh. and he had walked like 800 miles from Aleppo. And so you go to a lot of these countries in Eastern Europe, and and everybody's white because nobody wants to immigrate there. What's Serbia like? I saw a banner with pictures of of young men on it, oh. and it was. And I said, uh, "I said, were they killed in the war?" And the driver I hired said, "No, they is all kidnapped by Albanians who steal parts, like maybe some alcoholic need a liver, maybe somebody somewhere need a kidney." And so I said, "Oh, I said they're." organs were harvested so i'm like giving, him a, giving someone an english lesson you know at, but but that's the phrase you're teaching them their organs were yeah, harvested we have this in america we know we have a word for this oh god why are they on a billboard because they were missing no because they were killed kidnapped and then their organs were harvested and they died and so they were just put on a billboard just thank you for for your service, or? Uh, no, it was just like, oh, this is sad. Oh, got it. Yeah. Oh, bummer. And then Jesus. I went to Bosnia. Welcome to Serbia. I went to Bosnia. liverless children. To a hotel that was out in the countryside. And it was like a village of yesteryear, right? So they had farm animals wandering around. and But they had like artificial streams and then they had you know those bridges that are like half a circle yeah you know that go high over the water that were covered with moss and wet leaves and they had no handrails (laughs) no and so my friend patsy fell on her ass and slid down no but you can tell when you're in a country that doesn't have a word for lawsuits oh gosh (laughs) and also it's interesting to go to a restaurant (laughs) in 2020 and the all of the eight people next to you at breakfast are smoking. Oh. Because we're just so not used to nope. seeing that anymore. Or when someone doesn't even ask if you want a non-smoking room. Right. Like they don't have any non-smoking rooms. I think I was in, I want to say Kentucky last year performing and someone was smoking inside. And it was such a trip to see. 
I think that might be the last state where you can still smoke inside, or at least in comedy clubs or something. There was something kind of sexy about it. I kind of it's funny it. <laughs> how quickly that all uh, changed. Yeah. We were going to go. I have a friend who I travel with a lot, and so I just was writing an essay about this. So I've been going back. Not you, Justin. Diaries, but uh, we were going to go to northern um, Macedonia. Mm. And she found us a hotel, and it was like the best hotel in town. And under amenities, it listed toilet paper. Uh- <laughs> you know, you expect like a 24-hour fitness center and spa. <laughs> yeah, business center, toilet paper, water. Toilet paper. <laughs> Macedonia. I will not put that on the top of my list if that is a luxury I'm going to ask you a couple more things before I let you go. Sure. If you need to leave, I know I'm going to fight tooth and nail to keep you as long as I can. You made this observation once that I just love so much about how when you learn an animal's name, you make a judgment about them. Mm. So you don't ask people their pets' names or else you would make a judgment. That is so fascinating to me. That happens with children a lot. It's too. so true! It's so true! I mean, I'll have a, someone will come and get a book signed and I'll... I'll Sign this enjoy for my kid, Tyler. Oh, well, even like, uh, do you have any children? Just one. Our son, Keevan. K E V V R. But my like favorite was Draven, which sounds like the past past tense of drive, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like we were Draven to the restaurant. <laughs> I make a judgment about the parent first, though, too, because I'm like, yeah. what kind of asshole will name their kid this? Yeah, it really, it's loaded. Yeah, it's so wild. And where do we get that from? Just our sort of in our hippocampus, we have judgments about names from people we knew who already had those names. No, it's a weird stereotype. But again, no, I think part of it is, you know, like the whole Atticus mm-hmm. thing. I grew up in North Carolina, and so in North Carolina, like, what's your mother's maiden name? This is wild, and a lot of people might not believe me, but my dad's name was Eric Cummings, and my mom's was Patty Cumming, huh. and they got married, so it's Cumming Cummings. Huh. Okay, because your name... I'm sure there's some inbreeding there, I don't know, but that was it. So it's Cumming and Cummings. My mom's maiden name was Cumming, with no S. Because often in the South, your mother's maiden name would be your first name. Mm-hmm. So there was a formula to it, but then people started thinking, well, gosh, what would happen if I took Stephen and just changed it to a K? You know, Keevan, that yeah. sounds good. And so, <laughs> and so these, these bullshit names. Too much moonshine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cropped up. And that's what's, in, you know, this has been always interesting to me and it's a really hard thing to... You and I spent Thanksgiving with this trans woman uh, last year, mm-hmm. and she's 70, and her name is Madison. Now, there's no 70-year-old. No name Madison. Madison. No. You no. Know? And, but it's like with Caitlyn Jenner, that's, a young, that's a, a young woman's name as well. Caitlyn. So you never meet, like, she didn't think Ruth. Nope. You know? Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. Esther. Bonnie. Dot. And that's Dottie. really interesting to me <laughs> that... You can't be an 80-year-old Kaylee. No, you can't. And that's why when you're working on something, uh, 
the name really matter. You know, the name of a person really so matters sure. and because a name is going to tell the reader how old that person is. And sometimes what area they're from yeah. and so many things. But I also find that um, there is also, even within normal names now, people are doing these creative spellings. Like sometimes I'll be oh, yeah. signing books and it'll be Ashley and I'll be like, no, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. And I'm like, no. But a lot of You're times wrong. if you ask, <laughs> it's like the mother allowed them to change the spelling of their name. The parents did when the kid was like 14. <laughs> that happens a lot. That's and wild. And you should never, never allow your child to change their name or the spelling of their name. Huh. Because, I and mean, when they're 14. Because that's when you make the worst decisions of all. Of your life. I used to lick batteries when I was 14. <laughs> I shouldn't be making any decisions. <laughs> you go back to North Carolina a lot? Mm. We have a house on the beach there, so mm-hmm. I go there when we go to that. And my dad's still in Raleigh, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go and see him. There's a wonderful comedy club outside Raleigh and Cary. Uh-huh. Cary? Yeah. Yeah, right outside? Yeah, I think it's an improv. It's brand new. It's gorgeous. Huh. Yeah. Because um, I grew, grew up in Raleigh, so I met somebody a while ago. Uh, I was on a book tour, and I met somebody. I was in North Carolina, and I said, where do you live? And he said, I live in Cary. And he thought I wasn't familiar with North Carolina. And he said, that's like the Beverly Hills of Raleigh. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) There is not a Beverly Hills of Raleigh. There just isn't. Like, there isn't a Greenwich Village of Raleigh. It's like the Soho of Raleigh. There's not one. That's amazing. Um, I guess the last thing that I sort of want to bring up, I I was so, you know, we talk about addiction a lot on this podcast, and something you said um, in the masterclass that was so touching to me that I had never heard it put this way. I've spent so much time in, you know, I talk about being an Al-Anon and dealing with family members that um, are alcoholics and addicts and stuff, uh, myself uh, identifying essentially as an addict. You said something that was just so simple. And I think it's so important for all artists and just people in general to think. You said um, a lot of alcoholics are good people. Yeah. Do you remember saying that? Well, I wrote a story about my mother's drinking. And my mother was a really good person mm-hmm. who was an alcoholic mm-hmm. who couldn't stop drinking. And it didn't make her a bad person. It didn't make her a bad mother. Uh, it just made for a sad story. Mm-hmm. You know, when you... To think that somebody, because maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can be that happy and be an alcoholic. You know, speaking as someone who's an alcoholic, um, I I just felt trapped and I just felt like I was sinking and I just felt like there was no, uh, every day was the same, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of days are going to be the same sober, mm-hmm. right? But there's still a possibility that it can be different when you're sober. If right. no other reason, if you drink, if you drink that much beer, you can't go anywhere. Nope. Because you got to pee. That's right. <laughs> like every three minutes, <laughs> so, so you true. can't really go anywhere. That's right. And then I would get high on top of it, and then I would be paranoid, and I couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just it and but <clears throat> and I think about that all the time. Like how great it would have been. You know, if my mother could have quit drinking, yeah. just how how much better her life was. Because it was just... And, and luckily, she wasn't like that all of our childhood. You know, it just got progressive. And... But... And we loved her. Yeah. 
and I never doubt that she loved me. And it was just, but I don't, I don't feel the need. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't judge her mm-hmm. for it. I just. Did you spend time like learning about the disease of addiction, or it just was you knew in your heart? What about my mom? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I just knew. You know. I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just saw it. Yeah. And just, I mean, knowing that it's not really a choice, that it's a sort of chemical dependency over which she doesn't have control when you're like, oh, okay, no one, you know, it's taking me a long time to learn. No one wakes up and chooses to be an alcoholic. (laughs) No one wakes up and is like, you know how I want to spend my day isolating and drinking and, you know, not getting anything done and then feeling consumed with shame the next day. It took me so long to realize that it wasn't a personal attack on me when other people drank. (laughs) It took me so long. Well, her dad was an alcoholic, and he, you know, had shock treatments mm. and, you know, the whole uh, the whole nine yards. So she grew up with that. Um, and, but it was the kind of thing, I mean, nobody, like, I never said to my mother, like, what can I do to help you? Like, yeah. you've got to stop drinking. I, and we were all afraid to say that. And if you... Um, even my dad didn't say anything, you know, but okay. Like somebody needs, uh, somebody, I feel like somebody needs to have an intervention with me and just say, look, you really look awful in those clothes. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? You you really look awful, and you can't you see it. Need to stop it. buying Renaissance yeah. ruffly capes in Japan. You can't see it, but everybody else sees it. <laughs> but if they said that, I would think, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I would deny it. Yeah, and so it's not going to change until I say, okay. But one of the things I got when I was in Japan, <laughs> it's a pair of matador, not is mat, not, flamenco sleeves that yeah. are detachable. Detachable. Yeah. And so there's elastic on one end, Mm -hmm. and there's a cuff on the other, and you can put it on over another shirt. Yeah. Because let's say you had a flamenco. They make the shirts with the whole flamenco sleeve. Yeah. But let's say someone said, come on over, we're having tacos. You'd be like, fuck, I'm wearing my (laughs) flamenco shirt. I can't eat tacos. (laughs) But... This way, you just take them off. Snap them right off. Yeah. yeah. And you can have tacos. Oh, and, and then you can do the dishes. <laughs> this sounds like how an alcoholic rationalizes behavior. <laughs> yes. No, I see how you need an intervention. I see the parallel. Or let's say your yeah. paralyzed sister <laughs> says, will you change my tampon? It's like, <laughs> I have my flamenco sleeves on. I can't be doing that. But you just take them off. <laughs> Oh, God. I appreciated that so much. Um, do you have any questions for me? Uh, well, what are you going to do tonight? Tonight, I'm going to stay in and probably uh, spiral about all the questions I feel like I forgot to ask you. I'll probably spend a couple hours just consumed with you know shame and paranoia. Of, I should have asked this and I should have asked that. I'll probably do that for a while. When's your next show? Uh, tomorrow night. I do shows pretty much every night. Where, where are you going to be tomorrow night? Tomorrow night I'm going to be at the Comedy Store huh. in uh, L.A. How long will you be on? Uh, tomorrow, when, when I'm in town, when we're up at the Comedy Store, we really only do 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, just uh, work, uh-huh. working on new stuff. And then I don't start going on tour until March. And that's when I think about when you go on tour. 
I have your tour dates. Here. I go. I think I start April second or something like that. And then, um, and then you're on tour. You do what is this? Twenty. 20- 30 cities? That's a lot of cities. I think it's like 45 or something. Huh. Usually it's like 45. This is a wild number of cities. Does Hugh come with you? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're going to Rhode Island, Norfolk, Lexington, Kentucky. You might be able to see Lynchburg, Virginia. Oh, look at you. But, you, you know, like when I was young and I would, you know, you would watch like, say, some late night show. Yeah. And then somebody would say, I'm going to be playing tomorrow. I'm going to be playing in... in uh, Davenport, Iowa, and you'd think, oh, man, you loser. But, you know, anybody can... It's not that hard to fill a theater in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York. If you can fill the house in Davenport, yeah, that's saying something. No, this is a big so, deal. I'm looking at these dates. Yep. Northampton, Massachusetts. Yeah, you, Princeton. You don't you don't make it easy on yourself. But and it, and I think people really appreciate you know that you go to you know the smaller cities as well. Milwaukee, fantastic. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Miami, Florida, that's going to be hectic. Well, the thing about a small town like that is it's not, not a nice hotel. No, trust me. Oh, I know. And when people say, like, oh, my God, I how know. do you do it? How do you go to 45 cities? When you're at the Four Seasons mm-hmm. or the Mandarin Oriental, it's yep. not that hard. Yep. You know? <laughs> but if you're at an Amerisuites, mm-hmm. there's this fellow who I know who will come to see me a lot. And, and I always give him free tickets. That sounded weird. Oh, no, he'll come to, to shows. To the show. Okay, yeah, okay, he okay. comes to shows. That's... And I always give him free tickets because I get free tickets to everything. Sure. And he stays in the worst places. Mm-hmm. And he stayed at the Amerisuites and there was shit on his shower curtain. No, went, no, 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 no. And he Human went to the shit? front desk, yeah, to complain about it. And you know what the guy at the front desk said? It wasn't mine. <laughs> Can you believe that that was... That's not an acceptable answer. I used to tour so much. I used to do about 80 cities a year. After I'd been doing stand-up for a couple years or got my first special, I bought a house. It was so important to me to buy a house because I grew up around alcoholic home, a lot of noise, hectic. I grew up in an apartment a lot with people above us. All I wanted was quiet. So I buy a house, and I had no idea about property tax inspections. Mm. I buy a house and I have about $15,000 cash total left over. (laughs) So I'm basically house poor. So I go on tour. I do 80 cities in a year. I'm doing colleges Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then going to do clubs, doing two, three shows a night. On July 4th, I'm in Las Vegas. And I'm staying at a place called the South Point Casino, which is off the, like 10 <laughs> miles off the strip. It's known as being the home of the penny slots. You go in there, it's like the walking dead. People are limping around. The buffet is like Chinese food and chocolate pudding. I mean, it is the most, it is a sad scene. And I'm there on July 4th, which is already, performing on a holiday is already kind of sad and lonely. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get some air. Because when you're in Vegas, you can be inside for like three days and not notice. You start going a little Jack Nicholson in The Shining. You start going crazy. So I'm like, I need to go outside and get some fresh air. I need to just go to the gym. I go down to the gym and I go into the bathroom to pee and I smell puke. You know that that puke smell where it's just like sour and and I smell it right away. And I'm like, oh God, someone must have puked. Keep moving pee, go up to the, wash my hands. And I'm like, that's, that's pungent. I mean, it's like an effluvium of really like sharp puke. And I looked down and I had actually stepped in human shit. Wow. I picked up my shoe, took it off without thinking, put it in the sink, started scrubbing it like full, uh, out damn spot, Lady Macbeth. I mean, with, but without even thinking about it and then just started hysterically crying 
and just like, oh, I like I just had a full like meltdown. Went up to the hotel room and called Southwest to try to cancel the show and get out of there. I couldn't get a flight out. I ended up talking to this woman on Southwest Airlines for about 45 minutes, crying about how I just touched human shit. And uh, she got me through it, and we still email to this day. Crystal, hey. And there is something about seeing someone else's shit that just something snaps. It's like a primal thing of like, I've worked too hard to smell someone else's shit. Have you been to China? Yes, Hong Kong. You see, No, Hong Kong doesn't count. Oh, okay. Mainland China. Then no. You see turds everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And I went in January, so yeah. they were frozen. Yeah. <laughs> and I was at a lake, and I thought, oh, those people are ice skating around sweet potatoes. No. <laughs> they were turds. And every day, I saw... So many turds. And you would go into the bathroom, and there would just be turds on the toilet. People would just leave them. I mean, they wouldn't flush. They would just leave it it for the next person. No. And I saw... It was just interesting to be in a place where you saw that many turds. Maybe it's like, you know, like we're divorced from where our food comes from. Totally. You know? But... But... Uh, th- this this was it, it just made you think well i guess we're all just basically animals yes correct you know well i just have so many questions it's just like i have to wipe after i mean like what what happened right. there well it made me think of I, I was reading something about how when you pick up trash so often you find soiled underpants yeah when you're picking up trash which is just tells such a story i mean so many people shit their pants yeah i found underpants with turds in them nested nested <laughs> In them, and okay, this is it. I found a pair in the in the rain, a pair of briefs with a potato-sized turd and slugs feasting on them. Yeah, feasting. So, do you have like tongs or something? You have some kind of. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. you have a whole thing, and you got gloves on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You look full dexter. No, I don't have gloves. I mean, I have them if I you need them. You must have them. an incredible have immune my, system. I have gloves in my backpack if I need them. Uh-huh. But I carry a lot of bags, so I can take that, sure. dump the turd, take the <laughs> underpants, put some leaves, mix some leaves yeah, in there with yeah. them, put them in a plastic bag, put that bag in another bag. Oh, my. So, and then dispose of it. I'm fine with dog shit. I look at dog shit. I pick it up. I, horse shit. I grew up around horses. Human shit. I just, I can't do it. Well, it's funny how you can always tell it's a human turd. Always. Always Why tell. is that? Why is that? Is it the size of... The, we just know the... It's the color of it, and it's right. kind of a crust that forms <laughs> yeah. on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can it's always so tell. true. What, it's our processed foods we eat or something. The coffee. But, uh... <laughs> well, now I'm going to ask what I know everybody is thinking, which is, why don't you have a podcast, and are you going to ever have one? I think it just takes too much work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. To have a podcast, I mean, I think a lot of people. I like podcasts, yeah. And I think a lot of people have podcasts, especially when they're sitting around with their friends, yeah, and they're kind of talking. But it's not as interesting as they think it is. Uh, you know? That's what I say, and everyone argues with me. I'm always like, God, how is this interesting to anybody? And then people always tell me, especially comedians, are like, Ah, oh, they just want to hear a conversation. Doesn't have to be that interesting. And I'm like, I feel like I'm bombing. Well, you know, like one of the podcasts I like is I like the Dana Gouldauer. 
And he puts, you know, a little Hollywood history lesson Mm -hmm. in there. And he, I don't know, he seems to put a whole lot of work into it. Mm -hmm. And I always laugh. I mean, I always find myself laughing out loud listening to that. And most of the other ones probably are... Did you ever listen to Super Ego? No. Oh, I think I've subscribed to it. What is it? It's Matt Gormley. Is that his name? Matt, I Matt? look it up. And, and just some other improvisers. It's and they're really, really incredibly skilled. And, uh-huh. and it's funny in a way that nothing else is funny. Is it's, it live? Uh, they've done a few live shows, but usually I think they do it in a studio. Jeremy Carter... In Long Beach, they do it. They've done 79 episodes. I'm going to get that. That's really funny. I like hardcore history, too. That's That really, he puts a lot of work into it. Huh. I mean, that's like a four-hour sort of thing. He writes a lot. But, you, God, you would just, it would be the biggest thing. Gosh, I don't, I mean, maybe if I had guests, but it would be guests like this fireman that I know. Well, that would be the most interesting. I, mean, that I know would this be the, guy in England, and he's like six seven, and he is so handsome. <laughs> it does. It doesn't. He's a freak almost. He's uh-huh. so handsome, and women, you know, just just fall for him. Yeah. And he loves women. Yeah. And he, I don't know. He would be a, like the first guest on my podcast. And you're just going to ask. Like him. we went to a restaurant together, and he said this would be a good place to take birds. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't necessarily hear British people say the word birds. <laughs> Bird means hot hot girl, or is that like our chicks? Bring chicks? Yeah. Yeah. But is it pejorative? No. No. It's just kind of old-fashioned. It's a great place to bring some cunts. <laughs> can't it just, say that. It's just old-fashioned. Yeah. You know? Bring some birds. And I, hadn't, I don't know that I had heard... And so, and it's a cashier at the supermarket that I go to. This is already the best podcast I've ever... How... Have you not started this yet? And I wouldn't mind her as a guest. Yeah. I suppose. But I think they would just be, you know, normal people that I would have on. It's just so wild to think about. I mean, Morning Edition, we were talking about this earlier. It had like about, it was like averaging 10 million listeners. I mean, that's three times as big as any scripted comedy show right now on television. Yeah. But I went from, I think the biggest audience I'd have was 500, but that wasn't just me. I was on a bill with other people. Oh, a lot. So I went from 500 to 10 million. So (laughs) that was quite a leap. Did you know at the time when you were doing that, how many people? I never listened to Morning Edition. I was always asleep then. I listened to All Things Considered. Yeah. But to me, part of having a good life meant being asleep when Morning Edition was on. Yeah. Because it comes on like, I don't know, at six or something. It starts... So, uh, um, yeah, it just, that's a lot of, that's a lot of people. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it just, but I'm not even on it that much anymore. I mean, I have a show, my own show on the BBC, mm-hmm. and I do that, but I'm, I haven't been on NPR in years. Yeah. Uh, but still people remember things. From it, which is nice. What do you watch? Do you watch shows or? I told myself I can only watch any kind of a TV show if I'm on the elliptical machine. Okay. So I put things on my iPad and then I go to the fitness center. Okay. And I was the last person to get. Not a doctor. um, I was the last person to get. Yeah. 
to get Netflix, the last person. I've oh. had it like for six weeks. <laughs> and there are great shows on That's there. A, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. There's some really you great shows. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> what have you discovered? A master of None. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's a really good show. Uh, what else like, did I watch? You guys have got to watch this show, Seinfeld. <laughs> Friends is this new show that just came out. It takes and, place in the 90s. It's a period piece. And sometimes I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> you know, start watching a show and then abandon it. Uh-huh. But then there's just an, always another one to pick up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. No, it's great. Yeah. So Master of None, you like? Yeah. Uh, Do you check- like dramas? Yeah, I like drama. I, I like Succession. Do you want oh, Succession? Oh, unbelievable. My favorite show on TV. Everybody on that show oh, is an asshole. killer. But I- what saves it is the writing is so good. Brilliant. That you can't. And the performances yeah. are just unreal. Yeah, I really like that. I like there are a lot of shows that I have ideas. F- uh, I mean, I'm not a TV person, but okay, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Right? Like, I like uh, to see a zombie eating somebody. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I've st- stuck with The Walking Dead all this time, right? But, all right, and this is a really good idea. There would be nothing scarier. If you had a choice uh-huh. between opening your door and finding a lion there. Or a zombie. Or finding a chimpanzee. What kind of lion, male or female? Uh, the let the most savage lion that was, like, wounded and oh. hungry. And a chimpanzee. Yeah. I feel like I would choose lion because it would kill me faster. Whereas a chimpanzee... It would just kill you different. But the chimpanzee... The thing the thing about chimpanzees killing people is that they would bite your face off. Like, why yeah. would you start there? You know what I mean? It seems like a weird place. <laughs> I, like biting someone's head. Uh-huh. And, and if you're a guy, they rip... Your balls. Your balls off. They know to go straight for the dick. So here's what I think. Okay. In the zombie apocalypse, yeah. chimps escape from zoos, mm-hmm. and they all formed a big tribe. Yep. Now, on The Walking Dead, they don't have guns anymore. That's your enemy right there. Chimps. Chimps. Like, Are chimps there... could completely destroy every. They can get over that fence with no problem. Here's the biggest question. Are there zombie chimps? You wouldn't even... Uh, well, a zombie chimp would just move like a zombie. So it oh, wouldn't yeah, really, it'd be a slower you know I mean? chimp. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. But it's the move, fast moving. And, like, that's such a good idea <laughs> for this show. <laughs> just chimps versus humans? Like Game of Thrones, just yeah. chimps and humans? Please go pitch a show where you're like, I have a really good idea. Chimps just rip people's balls off and faces. Welcome to my master class. <laughs> but sometimes I don't have ideas for that many shows. But every now and then I think, gosh, they really need to hear from me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Where That is almost as good as, I remember when I heard the idea for Snakes on a Plane. Uh-huh. And I was like, we should all just pack up and go home. Yeah. A bunch of snakes get loose on a plane. I can't imagine anything more terrifying. Hollywood's over. Pack yeah. up your suitcases. They did it. It's a, You can't follow that. Okay. But. But. Uh, chimps on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> chimps on a cruise ship. Chimps on a cruise, cruise ship, ship is perfect. Chimps on a train? Chimps on a cruise ship? 
That's the best idea. I would go overboard phone? immediately. Um, did you hear that? Uh, this is funny, I thought. Uh, where did I hear this? Oh, it was on a, it was on YouTube. Paul Lynn, uh-huh. you know, who used to be on uh, Hollywood Squares. They, and he was such a queen. And when I was young, <laughs> no one would ever say they were homosexual. But you looked at Paul Lynn and you just knew as a gay man, you thought, oh, he's a gay man. And they said to him, if a man falls overboard, and people yell, man overboard, what do you yell if a woman falls all overboard? And he said, full speed ahead. <laughs> I hope to see you guys in the comments for that one. <clears throat> I have so much more to ask you, but I can't keep you this long. Now I'm just being selfish at this point. I have no idea what time it is. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> wow. I miss dinner. <laughs> yeah. We're both in a low blood sugar. So good thing I got you actual sugar as one of your thank you gifts. I, I put a very weird gift uh, bag together for you. I hope you like it. That was so kind of you. I yeah. really appreciate that. No, it, this is an honor. I, we've had a lot of very fancy people in here, and you are definitely the person that everyone has geeked out over really? the most. Yeah. Gosh, I never expect that. Yeah, everyone never... is just completely geeking out. Uh, oh. Uh, and not only that, but before you came, we're usually goofing off and horsing around and just being dickheads. And before you came, everyone was just like really silent, <laughs> nervous, and panicky. Gosh, that's so odd to me. I don't ever expect. You're a legend. You know what? I don't think it's fair. Somebody accused me recently. He said, you know, you abuse your power. You know, you're signing books and you abuse your power. Who said that? I have somebody who, uh, you're a comedian, so... Let's say if somebody told you something, mm-hmm. right, and and it wasn't something like about somebody else. It was like something that, maybe something they did or whatever. Okay. Would you use that on stage? Yeah. 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 Oh, so, okay, so his point was you're taking the stuff people share with you and using it on stage yeah. as an artist. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, my whole thing is if it's the second you come up and speak to me, all bets are off. Everything you say mm. can and will be used in material. Well, I feel, too, that if you don't want me to repeat it, then say, don't repeat it. And I, yes. And it's not like I use the person's name or anything. Right. <clears throat> so I don't, sure. I don't, and, and I think it's different if you're, uh, I mean, because like you said, I mean, one thing I feel the same as you is that, I mean, I'm not a comedian, but I mean, you're always looking for things, and you're yes. always looking to connect things, and yes. you're always looking for a story, and you're mm-hmm. always looking for, and it's, I mean, I think as a writer, I mean, it's sad, but I mean, you're really kind of exploiting everyone and everything you you come into contact with. Everyone's you know? I mean, fodder. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I do think people don't always like having a mirror held up. It's uncomfortable. You know, sometimes acute observations are feel like attacks to people. But I, I, but I, but it's just interesting. I feel like power so often is in somebody else's eyes. Like it's not in your own. Yeah, You're not sitting so there thinking like I'm the most powerful person in this room. Mm-mm. You're not. You're just sitting there and you're so grateful that people came. Yeah. And they have. I don't know. It's almost like they have the power because. 
if they stop coming, that's so true. Then you're nobody. So you're not sitting there thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like fame is that way too. Like fame is other people's idea. Yeah, I'm not fame. I mean, I'm not famous, but I'm talking about. If I meet somebody who's famous, that's something I'm putting on them. Yeah. They're not... It's my idea of them being famous. They become like a Rorschach test, or you project. You kind yeah. of project, projection machine. No, it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, and we've actually talked about this, you know, before on the show. I think it's when uh, maybe Jim Jeffries was here about... Especially the stuff we talk about and the stuff that, you know, um, you know, we write about. We tend to go into risky areas that trigger people. You know, there was a uh, when Jim Jeffries was on stage in Australia once he did a joke about suicide and someone ran up on stage and punched him in the face. It's this. Why will you pull it up? I think we've even. Why would they punch him in the face? Because he probably just walked into a hornet's nest of someone going through something crazy. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we talk about things that are. Is this it? Yes, he made a joke about suicide, and someone just ran up on stage. This is before he got really famous and attacked him. Wow, that, that person wild? really is attacking him. Isn't that wild? You just never know what pain you're walking into. You never, no, you don't. You never know what personality disorder you're walking into, or what mental illness, or what. Well, that's the thing too about a trigger warning because you don't have any idea what's going to set people off anymore. That's right. You know. That's right. Any idea, mm-hmm. and so I don't. I just sometimes feel like saying, if you have a problem with anything, you should leave. Mm-hmm. But don't leave while I'm here. Wait till I'm done. <laughs> Wait till my performance is over, and then you can leave. <laughs> but I don't know that people are more sensitive now. I think Agreed. it's just, it's free, became free to complain. Uh, yes. And, and because it used to be you'd have to put a stamp on it, and mm-hmm. you would think, is this really worth free to 35 cents? And then it became free. Yep. And then, so people, it's like, I went and saw your show, and I went to get a Coke, and I said I didn't want much ice, and they put a lot of ice in it. It's like, <laughs> you, I can't believe you're wasting your finger oh, writing that. Everyone just wants to be heard. It is really wild. And, and not only is it free, I think it actually gets you some clout or something. People get a couple likes, and like, yeah, look at you standing up for yourself. Like, right. look at you, you know. Um, and it's almost rewarded at this point for complaining. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just don't get offended. I mean, I don't... You don't internalize it. No, I get angry sometimes, but I can't think of... But I think you also... I was thinking about it as... You know, I was watching um, your class, and you were talking about how you observe people. And I feel like when you're as observant as you are, and as good of a writer as you are, you always have to lead with empathy. Like, you're not necessarily internalizing what people do because you're kind of seeing them as a character in a story. You know, that's usually how I'm able to get out of it. Hmm. Does that make sense? It's almost like a non-judgmental meditation is, is how it felt like. Well, it's the kind of thing, too, and you don't want to be formulaic about it, but, I mean, it seems like if you're going to give other people a hard time, <clears throat> you know, you kind of need to be hard on yourself right. as well. Right. And so sometimes people are like, oh, then you did this and this thing, and I didn't like you anymore. And it's like, well, that's just a chance I had to take. Because you know? mm-hmm. usually it's the worst things you can admit that most people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wild. And I do find uh, I started, every now and then, uh, I've started responding to people who come at me oh really hard. Uh-huh. And uh, <clears throat> I would say 95% of the time, I'm so sorry. I didn't think you were going to see this. 
I love you so much. I didn't mean that. Sorry, I was a dick. You know, I think there's a little bit of like, I just need to throw a rock at somebody to make myself feel better. And then if you go to their profile, you see that they do it to a lot of people. And it's just some kind of addiction and adrenaline addiction or some kind of needing to be seen or pulling on people's pigtails or... I only made that one comment about those culottes and that detachable collar. And that's the only time I've ever commented on anything on the internet. Only time. I love you so much. What an honor. Thank you for being here. Gosh, thank you so much for having me in your beautiful, beautiful home. Oh, gosh, what a dream. You're a dream. Such a fan. I'm going to try to not Good place to have a dream in a dream house. (laughs) Thank you. Oh my goodness. I have to pee. I have to pee so so bad. bad. Me too.